Hey, this is John from Incantation. You're listening to the Cat Chasm Podcast. What the fuck is up and welcome to the Phantasm Podcast. I am Corey Gorechrist with me, Dr. Vincent West. Hi. How you doing? This is fucking awesome. I've been waiting for all of this right now to happen. Like forever. I've been waiting for this shit to happen. Um, we got John from Incantation on the show. Fucking amazing interview. Props to... Dr. West over here uh, for, for getting it. It was really fucking cool. Thank you, John. Um, John's the fucking man. Uh, he's true old school death metal. Uh, he's, he's what we love about the, the music. And, uh, you know, Incantation's a blast. You should definitely see him, catch him on tour, see him at a show, club, whatever. Um, super cool guys. Super huge horror fans. Uh, somewhat founders of modern death metal. They're they're fucking great. Um, so this is really exciting to do this for him. Uh, the film we got, Doctor, what do we got for him? Well, once I get this mic, because somebody's been fucking with it again. It's really, been, it's really annoying me. Anyway, as we see directed another <coughs> uh, Michel Sovi. We're doing this back to back, yeah. And I didn't even realize that. Um, it's the sect. Why did you disobey, Mary? The time has come when the son of the rebel will become flesh and blood and will abandon God. We have the sec. It's fucking awesome. Michelle Sauve. <clears throat> um, so we did a uh, stage fright for uh, Patrick of Pestilence. That was really awesome. Great movie. Uh, none of us have ever seen it, so it was pretty amazing. Um, this one I have never seen. So uh, this is this is a <clears throat> it's one of one of his films. Uh, ninety one. Yes, yeah, from nineteen ninety one. Um, it's new this year. Um, Scorpion put it out. I'm still I still love do scorpion <coughs> stuff. <coughs> Sorry. A little under the weather here. Um I don't know why Cemetery Man does not have a proper release. Yeah, the one I got was a German boot, but it looks really good. It's the best one out there and I forget who put it out. It just doesn't make any sense to me that there's not a proper uh you know. There's a scorpion releasing put out uh Mortuary which is, you know, definitely a a, a really good title to have. Like that's like a a horror fan's you know wet dream is that movie. So 
um, the late and great um, Bill Paxton. So that was now be sure it's a great movie to look on eBay for my copy of the sect that I'm viewing right now. They're putting a limited edition out, so this will be fodder to me. <laughs> And once the hot and sexy comes out, <clears> same as the church, I will buy that, and the church will also be available. Is the church also <clears throat> Scorpion releasing? Correct. Wow, awesome! And so yeah, they released both so of these opera. at the same time. Opera yeah, well. and opera. All those all came those. out like relatively the same this day. This year, yeah. We got this uh, Jesus character, which is funny. We don't have subtitles. I kind of forgot to do that. Maybe there isn't should. any. Really? No. Wow. So we're going in. We're going in. Uh, raw dog today ladies and gentlemen so i mean there was it, uh, there wasn't a menu option for it if you think you can turn it on somehow yeah it was just play and then there was trailers and interviews <clears throat> so that was it um i mean this guy seriously just i mean this is like some kind of jesus guy a bunch of hippies out here and he actually looks like thor <laughs> or conan a little bit maybe he's conan but or charles uh, manson maybe he's charles manson <clears throat> as he's conan. a cult follower or something well, courtesy of uh, imdb it says an old gothic cathedral. <coughs> no, that's the church. Why is that up here? I don't Keep know. showing the church. That's a good movie. A lonely kindergarten teacher discovers a secret well in the basement of her house and soon finds herself being followed by a murderous satanic cult. So there you go. Um, we love our murderous satanic cult movies. I do anyway. I know about Corey. The original title, oh. La Seta, was also called The Devil's Daughter. So. Held Skelter. Anyway. Well, you've been on kind of a thing with this, so there you go. I brought you a Michelle Sauvé cult movie. Which, if you guys have never seen Cemetery Man, they did a a, a dog shit remake called uh, Dylan Dog. <clears throat> With Brandon Ralph. With uh, not Superman. <coughs> and it was just, it's just a terrible movie. And it, it does nothing for the original film. Like, the original Cemetery Man is so good. Um you guys can get the german boot just buy it just buy whatever there's a few different blu-rays out the one that i found was did you buy the dentist no i did not <clears throat> that's from a ms a nsm that puts out all those german media books it's still out i just haven't gotten a copy um i'd like to it's it's brian using the goodness our boy ken foray's in it um corbin Burnson, of course plays the dentist from uh major league and all that shit so, that's something I definitely want to get. Something I did get, um, since before last time we, we spoke, was the Killer Clowns from Arrow. Um, now, I know everybody's in the UK is already like, we've already got three different versions. I was like, well, this is the first US proper Blu-ray cut of this film, the 4K restoration. So, this is our first 4K cut of this film, because all we've had is that Five ninety nine Walmart piece of shit for you know eight years. And what they are we just talking keep, about? What? Uh, Killer clowns. We've just kept getting the same. <clears throat> now, have you watched it? See, here, here's Did the. Did you watch it? No, I haven't yet. But here's, but it's Arrow, so I know it's good. Here's the thing. Um, guys in the UK, we love you, but you can complain all you want about getting the same, <coughs> the same Arrow cut for five years. We've been getting the same MGM cut for six years i mean it's better to get the same arrow cut repackaged than to get the same walmart copy repackaged i mean we haven't had a good print of this yet so um this is really cool and i'm looking forward to getting it there's a big ass fucking two-sided poster in there that's really nice um it's got a lot of jam-packed features the 
the box art's really beautiful for the uh, slipcase. So, um, oh, and there's Frankfurt, Germany, 1991, is where the setting of this movie's taking place. And this looks like, um, what's her name? Kelly Curtis is the the lead uh, role in this film, the, the victim, if you will. So, it's uh, Miriam, that's who I think we're looking at here. And she was also in, uh, go figure, Deep Space Nine. I have a, uh... She was the one, I was, she was in The Sentinel, that's where I'd seen her from. Um, so that's what Italian actors like to do, though, to get American actors to lead their films, so. Um, yeah, she's in The Sentinel, the TV show. Um, who was she in Deep Space Nine? She was Miss Sarda. I guess she was only in a few things. Um, so yeah, that's cool. She's in some good stuff. Trading Places, she was in that too. So, pretty awesome. That's weird, it says. She's Kelly Lee Curtis, and <coughs> is what she was, uh, that's her actual name, so. wonder if there's any relation. <coughs> I would say so. To uh, old Jamie Lee Curtis. Let's see. There's a devil's daughter. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, so the, she's actually the sister of Jamie Lee Curtis. How fucking crazy is that? Interesting. Oh, Kelly Curtis. So, uh. Here's, uh. The girl in this picture? Yeah, the, the main character, yeah. Interesting. Which isn't who's on the screen here. This is some other chick, so that was my bad. Trying to Um, look at all this stuff. Oh, there's already a stabbing. There we go. We got some good shit going. Very nice. A little blood in the milk. There's a little nice direction right there. Michelle Sovey's got such a great... Just He's just got a great vision for directing. He's got very... Very vibrant, not too gaudy, just, he's a really good director, I really enjoy his shit, the way he does it. He's my favorite. Yeah, I, I, you know, you got the Argentos, I mean, I think Sovi's really underrated for what he's put out, and very violent, but not even, like, gore so much, but, I mean, Stage Fright was really gory, but it wasn't overdone, you know. <coughs> as much as I love Fulci and Argento, I think sometimes their stuff's overdone. Um, Argento has a more artistic value when it comes to uh, gore and stuff like that, so he makes it he makes it work to his, you know, uh, he really makes it his own when he does kill scenes. And, and Fulci, you know, he was kind of a pioneer for it, but at the same time, you know, um, really loves Sovi's uh, directing the way that he does everything. It's pretty awesome. Huge fan. Ooh. <clears throat> Kalima. There's a little... Everyone's heart just I dropped. I think... Um, huh. Since we're... This guy's going to look <clears throat> like me after tonight. We're Looks not, like he hasn't slept in like a month. We're not... <laughs> we're knocking on May. And I want to go ahead and tell everybody my uh, album of the month for May. Oh, it's been a little while since we've done that. I mean, if you guys pay attention 
on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Phantasm <clears throat> Podcast. Um, the doctor usually reveals his his stuff on there. This month, we'll here. go ahead and finish this month's. This month's, there were two. It was the uh, B-Sides collection from Napalm Death. Yeah. And oh, the yeah. second one was uh, the new Necrophobic. Not marking another Necrogram. But there's only one release for... Oof. For, for May. You see the hair pieces just came out the back of they his did. head? God damn. So, no, it's fine. There's, there's a lot happening right now. So I think I'll reveal that to you guys at some point during the podcast. I don't have to do it right now, but... Go ahead and do it. I'll wait. We're good. we got some good stuff going on right here. I'll wait. All right. But I will reveal... I don't usually do this. I'll reveal my May album of the month. Um. So, yeah. So stay tuned for that. <coughs> this is. A... I also want to take a second, and um, I want to welcome Max Cavalera to our podcast. Yeah, that is going to be exciting. Um, uh, that's huge. official. That's done. Um, I'm actually going to pass this over real quick to Mister Gorkreist, and I'm going to let him take a peruse at this. But Gorkreist, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I'll just let him read the whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to it. He's definitely one of the first people I really uh, listen to metal-wise, so it's, it's cool. I'm really going to be happy about that. I'll talk a minute. You take your peek-a-poo at that. Anyway, we're, I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, <clears throat> I met Max in um, 1991, and um, I got to get high with him. Um, I probably won't mention that to him. I think it'll be kind of weird, but saw him several times, uh, on the Arise tour, um, got into them on Beneath the Remains. I bought, had that on cassette, uh, bought Arise on CD. Dead Embryonic Cells was the first single. So I still have the single CD from that, from Roadrunner. Um, so all I can say is that's how it's done. Yeah. I mean, I, one, as Andrew Dice Clay would say, one stroke done. <coughs> it's <coughs> sorry. <coughs> sorry, guys. Coughing, <coughs> coughing <coughs> fit. Excuse me. Sorry. I'd like to take this time to honor uh, Doctor Vincent West. Uh, he just passed away. So. Basically, <laughs> um, I'd like to dedicate this episode to. Him. I'm taking something so I wouldn't do that during this instead of doing just it. Just kidding. We all know Dr. West can't die. So. I hope not. Um, but no, for real. Um, it's more about his body of work. So we're excited to have him on. It's a big guest for us. and <clears throat> Obviously, there are bad blood between him and uh, the gentlemen that are currently in the band, Sepultura, but... Hopefully we can talk with him a little bit about that as his thing and and nail bomb and oh and, yeah uh, that's gonna be fun killer be killed and all that good stuff sure so we're excited I'm excited um but yeah so Max we're looking forward to it but uh, a little bit about John McNee um what a great guy um you guys are in for a hell of an interview he was very nice I asked him personally I didn't have this set up anybody what a what a gentleman and what a great guy and the uh excuse me the mortician information for those of you who don't know he was a guitarist for mortician and really good friends with uh will reimer so and if anyone knows on the podcast mortician 
is arguably one of my top three death metal bands. Which he ever. said in the interview that we're essentially mortician as a podcast, kind of. Yeah, and it was very flattering. And But honestly, if you think about it, it's true because <clears throat> what Will was trying to do was combine horror and death metal and just make it all one thing, and that's what we do. He's just a pioneer. In a different art form. So yeah, and his band. If if folks don't know this, Corey obviously knows this. But yeah. for anybody out there listening, the, the the reason that the band is named Mortician is after Phantasm. Yeah, the movie. So that's why we're <coughs> Phantasm with an F. So many links approved by Reggie Bannister himself and his beautiful wife. And thank mm-hmm. you guys. Love you if you're listening out there. Um, out in California. Anybody that knows Gigi and, and Reggie, give them. You know, give them some love. They can always use it. So, um, just amazing people. I have a small rant I wanted to do tonight. This really bothered me. Um, And this is something I haven't discussed with you. And it's real quick. I was curious what you guys out there that listen to us think. And this old guy just got fucking jacked by a fucking car. God damn. Three random deaths. One was planned because one guy got stabbed. Other dude got shot in the face by fucking police. And then this guy just gets fucking jacked by a fucking car. He's still alive, though, so it doesn't count. Anyway, This isn't anything, you know, long-winded or anything, but I was really, to be honest with you, I got my feelings hurt, and I thought it was disgusting the way Bruce Campbell handled himself on social media this week. Really? Are you familiar with this? No, all I saw was that he was hanging up the Ash character. I mean, I didn't read anything. He acted like a two-year-old child about his show getting canceled, and it's like... I think it was planned. I mean, I'm sure he well, knew it was going to get canceled. Well, the thing, well, the thing about it is, they fought is, it being canceled last year. Here's what's here's what's funny about that show. Well, for one, it's the on first stars. the first season is fun. The second season is not so fun, and what I've seen of the third season was just going through the motions. <coughs> so, for those of you that don't know, and I'm not quoting him, but he basically is like, "I'm done with Ash. It's over. It's dead." And I'm just like, "Why are you acting like a toddler?" You think that's what it was? Yeah, I, th- I personally thought he was acting like a child. <sighs> Have I had my moments on this podcast where I acted like a child? Sure, probably, but I'm not. I'm not a a list celebrity in horror. There's Kelly Curtis. That's the. Uh, you can see the resemblance there. I was really disappointed, though, folks. I model myself after Mr. Campbell, and it just. It made me happy that I didn't go meet him during the eclipse with Corey last year, honestly. After yeah, we passed on. Because we apparently, apparently he's just a penis. <laughs> well. I hate to hear that. And um, it's unfortunate. And I had tried to get him on this podcast a bunch. And I, I'm looking back on it now. I guess he was probably just snubbing us. And then, then that's unfortunate. But Well, he was probably done with it even <clears> though he was filming it. You know what I mean? Well, she just looks just like Jamie. That's crazy. By the way, Corey is wearing a, a name badge that says Corey Gore Christ Phantasm America. <laughs> which is really cool. That's my other job, Phantasm America. And what that is, that's a local liquidator of death metal, rock, <laughs> pop, and country CDs at a value price and some VHS tapes. We're trying to get more, but people are just now starting to get them again. So, so check out phantasmamerica.com and uh, be sure to go there and give Corey some of your money. And I'm the only one that runs it, and it's a GeoCity site, so <coughs> it may take you a little while to organize through it and click stuff. And There's some meaty files if you want to listen to them. Yeah. 
you know. I, I put some porn on there. If yeah, you guys we keep it whack it. There is. There's. <laughs> just look up wacky section. It, it says wacky on it, and you click on wacky it. west, and it's it's uh, wacky west. It's, it's a it's a button for the page, but it's a it's a little clip, and you click on it, and it's just it's just you don't get to pick. It's just a random. All my favorites. It's, it's interracial just a random, sex and yeah. <laughs> it's just cockies and when you click on it, rim it, it jobs. It doesn't give you a list. It just chooses one of the videos out of his repertoire. Like it has its anything own, that's exciting for you, you know that that, that it, it has its own AI. Shemales on there. We got <laughs> we got it all. Anything you want? Shemale glory holes. We got, you, you B, got it all. We got BBCs. Yeah, there's a lot of big black cock. You got all that on there. <laughs> Gang bangs. Yep. Um, but yeah, enjoy. It's it's uh, like I said, it's a random video every time, so you're <clears> not going to get the same thing twice, but you might come twice. And an amazing thing that's there. And it's still there. That real bunny, look at it's that. It's still there. Is Corey's copy of Motel Hill. The one that was stolen. The blue there the Blu-ray that haunts me. Like his first Scream Factory Collectors edition. It's still it's just on there with dust on it for, for it for sale. <laughs> and you knew the other one, can you name the other movie that's on there of yours? And I'll tell you mine in a minute, but Night Riders that Tom Savini almost broke when he signed it for me. That's on there, but there there's a good one. Curtains is on there. <laughs> It is. It's on there. It's if it's it's eleven ninety five free shipping, and um, yeah, and I repackaged it so it looked like it wasn't opened. I actually, <coughs> when I learned at doing retail, I I learned how to shrink wrap, so I re shrink wrapped it and said that it was new in the box and it opened. Was that a Synapse title? Yes, it was. They're an interesting company. I like those guys. They they initially. As a horror fan, I mean, they put out porn and fucking horror movies. I think it's awesome. It is. I mean, it's that's very cool. that's a great mix. That's like it is. you know how we have horror and death metal. Porn's also in there somewhere. Some people would call that porno grind or whatever, but you know, I was really disappointed. But I want to I want to tell some folks again about this. I, I guess I should be getting an endorsement from them for the plugging. But <laughs> excuse me. Um, there is some fantastic deals on deep discount. In fact, the tour edition of the New Morbid Angel record on CD is 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 just the only place you can get it is on that site. Deep discount, yeah, and it has that whole second disc of just instrumental tracks. And what a treat for eleven ninety nine! Oh yeah, um, considering what it was before, where you couldn't even buy it. God, everything was like yeah, you know, like a it's like fifteen ninety nine jewel case for and it's missing yeah. tracks and yeah. Of course, go catch those guys out there out touring right now, and go say about tell them <clears throat> tell Mister Tucker that Doctor West sent you. Um, yeah, maybe he'll smile <clears throat> at you, not want to kick your teeth. Oh, he'll just be kidding. Nice to you. He's a really nice guy. I was trying to get them scared. Well, yeah, you got to be. You got to kind of approach him with you know. I mean, it's the man. So, but that's right. That that is you're looking in the eyes. He's of a good death guy. metal right there. I will tell you something funny though to everyone out there listening. Him and Phil and Selma are probably the two most controversial frontmen we've had on here because a lot of people feel that they're unapproachable. So, right. Um, and I guess number three is coming up later this year, um, and that's Glenn Bent from DSI. Um, Fuck yeah! Which I've worked on for literally a year and a half to get. <clears throat> um, no idea when that record's dropping. They they, if you guys are avid DSI fans, you'll see that they'll put their page up, announce tour dates, and take all of it down. I don't know what goes on with their camp, but. I know Kevin 
uh, hi, Kevin. Uh, one of their guitar players, he um, has a family now, and it's hard for him to go on the road. So I don't sure. know if that plays a factor in it. But I'm Kevin sure. wrote a lot of the new record. I'm excited to hear some of it. And uh, shout out to Lee Harrison for getting me the interviews before. Thank you, Lee. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, shout out to Lee. He's, he's still doing uh, the Terrorizer thing. So if you see Terrorizer at festival shows or anything, if you overseas fans are listening, um, they're always usually over in the your neck of the woods. So. <coughs> Definitely go say hi to Lee and, and, you know, give him a high five for being fucking awesome and being death metal. Um, Still waving that flag for us, man. But, uh, you want to do, uh, Altering the Future? I think we should, yeah. Okay. I think it's time. We got a long movie tonight, so we got a little bit more time. We do. Um, Am I starting or are you starting? I'll do it. I think you did last time. So Sweet. I'll do works. it back and forth. Like um it. Newer listeners, back to the, we do Altering the Future, where we, this movie is 1991, so we're going to take you back to 1991 with movies and the music that was out during the time. This is going to be a blast. Corey Gorkos, here he comes. 1991. Altering the Future. Alright. Thanos is going to be Altering the Future. <laughs> Courtesy of Chuck. Uh, that was death for all you people that need to know. Uh, that that's it. Don't need don't need to even explain that. We got some really good ones. Nineteen ninety one. Um, this is one of the first movies we watched where I was born and it came out. So it's nice that I can see some stuff that I grew up with. Um, even though I grew up with the old school shit anyway. He did. He's very old school. Um, He's a 20-something-year-old in a 50-year-old man's body. <laughs> right. But <laughs> it's cool to Excuse see me. stuff that was like naturally around when I was already hatched. So uh, we got some good ones. We got a lot of stuff I had when I was a kid and a DVD. And, well, it was VHS at the time. So here we go. Uh, we got Hook with uh, Robin Williams. <coughs> I'll always do the regulars first. <coughs> Pray that uh, he does. Doctor West doesn't die. Uh, Sorry, this podcast. Um, we got Naked Gun Two. That's a good one. One of my favorites, New Jack City. That's my favorite Wesley Snipes film. That's a good movie. Um, like I said, we always do regular first. I'll do horror after, and then Doctor West will take you to, to Death Metal Town. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. That movie. Hold on one second, if I may. I've never seen it. That is a sought-after film by a lot of folks. It is. Wheelchair Fucker. That is a Wheelchair Fucker movie. I'm just going to tell you. Oh, no, listen. Wheelchair Fucker. This is a true story. Wheelchair Fucker, kids. What was it again? Drop Dead Fred. Wheelchair Fucker dropped $80 on a sealed DVD. Thank you, good night. (laughs) Of that movie? That's not a joke. (laughs) Doesn't exist on Blu-ray. And he dropped it. And the guy included the VHS sealed for him, too. Well, it's got Tim Matheson in it. I've never um, seen it. Carrie Fisher is in it. <coughs> as Janie. Never the guy, seen that movie. Um, Rick Mayall is the guy that plays Fred. And he's He uh, passed back in 2014. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what else he was in. Is it a children's movie? I don't think so far as i remember it it's been probably when it came out when pg pg 13 i i don't know to be honest with you it's a 
If you're listening to this in Europe, that's a rating system. One y'all don't have. It's a British like black comedy movie. I don't know what the rating is. I don't. I have no idea. Um, I thought it was right. Said Fred, "I'm too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> too sexy for my so sexy it hurts." I don't know. It's about like an imaginary friend or something. Anyway, um, here's one for the doctor. Double impact. Van Damme. Yeah, I, I, I uh, if, if you have never tuned in before, I, I, it's a very big guilty pleasure. I'm a big Sean Claude Van Damme fan. I'm sorry. It's not a guilty pleasure at all. He's a fucking badass. It's a, um, it is. It's a guilty uh, the pleasure. Doors movie with uh, Val Kilmer. It's a great film. I skipped school with my dear friend Matt, and we got really high and watched it. And the scene where it's playing. Um, Velvet Underground that put a spike into my vein. I got yeah. <coughs> really hot during that part. <coughs> it sounds like I'm high now, but I got really hot during that part. And um, sorry about the coughing, not kids. I don't feel good. Um, crazy movie. I thought Val Kilmer did a really lots out job. Fuck yeah, he did. Um, this is another West special. We got out for justice, Steven Seagal. That's a good one. It's got the man you met in it, too. Who? <clears throat> I'll give you a hint. Michael Bean? No. Uh, it's one of the most... Uh, this actor, for me, is underrated. I love him. And Corey has met him. I'm very jealous. This may be the most jealous person. Oh, uh, William Forsythe. I love William Forsythe. He was so fucking cool, too. I fucking love him. And he's exactly how he is in the movies in person. He's just like, hey, Corey. That's fucking amazing. He's cool as fuck. It's amazing. He was like, what you got, brother? I'm just like, God damn, this is awesome. <laughs> I will give, I will take a moment. Yeah, William Forsyth, dude, you're, you rule. I'll give you a I will give right Rob now. Zombie an inch of credit for putting him in that Devil's Rejects film. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was definitely a good, good work for him. Um, let's see, you got JFK, that's Kevin Costner. That was a big one. I've never seen that movie. It's it's really good, actually. It's, you know, it's Kevin Costner is pretty good. Uh, you like VHS tapes real quick? That thing on VHS was like this. It had like oh, ten tapes with it. Yeah, it's a long-ass movie. Uh, one of two really good uh, Bruce Willis movies, Hudson Hawk. I'll get to the last one because I know it's your favorite <coughs> uh, here in a minute. Still in the regular, the new school. Uh, let's see. We got... Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. It's a good movie. Nicholas Mayer, uh, that did Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, came back and wrote and directed the f- picture it's fucking uh, awesome. with Leonard Nimoy. It's a, it's a great film. Another huge one that year was Thelma and Louise. I like that movie. It's a really Scott film, too. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the Fisher King, which was another Brad Wayne Pitt's movie. debut was in that movie, yeah. too. Shirtless Cowboy. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> yeah, The Fisher King. That's a disturbing movie, but it it's is. good. It is uh, good. What about Bob, which is a great Bill Murray movie. That's really a underrated. very funny movie. Really underrated. Oh, you got Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I still think is the best Robin Hood movie. I've never seen that movie. It's really good. I think that's the one with Alan Rickman in it. <coughs> it that, is. That's the best one, is that one. I've never seen it. It's the best iteration of Robin Hood, in my opinion. But hold on, before you go any further, just for you. I'll do it for you. <laughs> that's all I remember from that movie. Wow. Um... I've never seen it. Fried Green Tomatoes was huge. Never seen uh, it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I like that one. Um, if Casey Jones is in that one, I like that one. I think it is. Uh, the Addams Family, the first one. It's an interesting movie. Um, 
Let's see. Here's a really good one. It's David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. It's a weird one. That movie's too much for the old doctor. Yeah. It's definitely weird. Uh, but then William H. Burroughs, I'm, I'm assuming stuff, and I just can't do it. <laughs> you got Cape Fear. That was a Scorsese film. It's got uh, Nick Nolte, Robert De Niro. <coughs> Here's some of the big ones we got. The Backdraft. See City Slickers. I'm gonna sum this up here. Terminator Two: Judgment Day. One of my favorites that came out this year. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Got Boys in the Hood. That's a good picture. That's awesome. Uh, the last you mean Boy Black S- Panther? Oh, you meant Boys <laughs> in the Hood. I'm sorry. <laughs> the last Boy Scout, which is your favorite uh, Bruce Willis. That is film. my favorite Bruce Willis picture. <laughs> And here's the second to last one I'm going to throw out here for 91 normal films. The OG Point Break. That's a fantastic fucking movie. Awesome. Patrick Swayze is arguably one of my the greatest actors. action movie that came out that year. I mean, you got Terminator 2, you got Out for Justice and, and Double Impact. And you, and, you, and there's a, there's and a, last a twist Scout, to it because but Point Break is still arguably the best action movie that Catherine came out. Catherine Bigelow that directed it also directed Near Dark and Yeah, it's and, fucking uh, awesome. Yeah. It's a good picture. And uh, this is a good bridge into the horror. And I'm sorry, this is a long list. Um, this is a good bridge into horror, and I'll leave this as the last again. regular one, is Nothing But Trouble. Because <coughs> it's a horror comedy. It's directed by Dan Aykroyd. That's a strange, it. strange movie. It is. Uh, Chevy Chase. It's it's definitely worth watching. It's very fucking weird, though. Um, and sorry for the, the long list, guys, but now we're getting into horror, so hold your ass. Now we got Sometimes They Come Back. Robert Rustler. Yep. Um, let's see what this one. We've got Jeff Fahey, Body Parts. I don't know why that's not on Blu-ray. That movie is criminally underrated. It's Jeff Fahey's this year. Uh, Necromantic 2. Those movies are good. We got uh, Critters 3. <clears throat> good one. Got The Omen 4. We got The Howling 6. <coughs> Here's a good one I'd love to do on here is uh, Popcorn. Speaking of Synapse. I this guy, it. by the way, is getting fucking... I have Popcorn. Fucked up. I just brought that up to you recently. Well, that's what I was saying. We were uh, talking about Synapse. Uh, we were in the car and stuff. But yeah, we need to definitely do Popcorn. I think we've had it on the, the blog Crispin Glover's a couple daddy times. Is yep. the, uh, you know. um, let's see. <clears throat> the Unborn. What else we got? Got a bunch of shit. Let's see. People under the stairs. We got Freddy's Dead, the final whatever. That, the movie wasn't that great. Um, the final nightmare, yeah. When Alice Cooper's his daddy. <laughs> Welcome to Corey's Nightmare. Rare. You're gonna freaking like it. <laughs> there was, this is a weird one. It stars Lance Henriksen. Welcome to Corey's Nightmare, and he's gonna eat you. And of course, this is an Edgar Allan Poe <coughs> picture, and it's technically a remake, whatever, it's based on an Edgar Allan Poe story. It's The Pit and the Pendulum, or starring Lance Henriksen, directed by Stuart Gordon. A remake of the Vincent, Vincent Price. Price picture. But it's realistic. It, I mean, it's Corman. a book, so they're not really. I mean, it's just a version. No, it's good. Version it's of good. It. But yeah, the, the Vince Price shit was first, obviously. Um, oh, no, I didn't mean like that. I just I like them both. Oh, yeah. That's a compliment. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker, which I don't even know. 
anything about it. I know Mickey Rooney is in it, which so is weird. Ba- yeah, because he bashed the first one so much. And you know who wrote the screenplay for that, and this ties into Stuart Gordon. Brian Usna. Nice. Um, last two here. And this is a weird order, but I'm doing it this way for what I like better. Silence of the Lambs, arguably the biggest horror movie that came out that year. Not even technically a horror film, but, you know, psychological thriller, whatever. It falls under that category. And my number one, Child's Play 3. Can't do that movie. I like that one. I watched it a lot when I was a kid, so that was the one. I'd say (coughs) 2 is still by far my favorite one. Not number 2. And uh, shout out to to Brad Dorff for being being a friendly guy and, and again, being on our show. And taking a shit in Gordon's yard. Battling the flu. So that was really... That was really nice of him. He could have just not did it, and I would have been fine with rescheduling, but he insisted, and it was cool. So, um, Shout out to him, see you in Texas. Um, but yeah, that, that concludes my long list of 91. Corey and, wants to make love to your daughter, too. <laughs> so we're going to go right into the, uh, the music portion, which is going to be jam-packed. If you think about what our podcast is in the year of 91, get ready for a good list. So, Doctor, <clears throat> lay it on it. First, we're going to start dead last with Autopsy. <laughs> uh, theme for blood. <laughs> Can I have one of your cough drops? Yeah. Massacre. Enjoy the silence. Enjoy the violence, excuse me. Thanks. Um... Also, another autopsy record that came out that same year was Enjoy the Penis. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Autopsy <laughs> Retribution for the Dead. Gardens of Grief from At the Gates. I want to stop real quick for a second about At the Gates. Um, I'm a fan of Slaughter the Soul, and I have a lot of people tell me that record's overrated and blah, blah. It's actually not. Okay. That's really good. Um, Marduk, Fuck Me Jesus. <laughs> That's fitting for this film. Mass Appeal Madness from Napalm Death. Um, the Astral Sleep from Tiamat. Nice. Um, I don't know what this is. Crawl from Entombed. I kind of, I mean, I don't know what that I'm just is. Not a, I like. Uh, from Beyond, from Massacre, of course, a classic album. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Ripping Corpse. Dreaming. That's, a little, that's a little Eric Root. And- yep, Dreaming with the Dead. The Human Waste EP from Suffocation. Bro. Um, Paradise Lost Gothic, if you're a fan of their stuff. I don't consider that death metal, but whatever. Uh, Theory on of Darkness, again, I don't consider that shit, but whatever. Into the Grave from Grave. Now we're getting to the meat and potatoes here, kids. This is where I'm not going <laughs> to... Meat and potatoes. It's true. Get the meat and potatoes. Okay. Asphyx the Rack. Fuck yeah. World Without God from Convulse. Sepultura Arise. One of my favorites of all time. Death Shall Rise from Cancer. War Master from Bolt Thrower. 
Pestilence, Testimony of the Ancients, Mental, huh. fu- metal, mental Funeral from Autopsy, um, Soul Side Journey from Dark Throne, Necroticism from Carcass, yep. Blessed Are the Sick from Morbid Angel, oh. Clandestine from Entombed, That's a good one. Unquestionable Presence from Atheist, Perfect. Where No Life Dwells from Unleashed, Like an Ever-Flowing, whatever that's called. Stream. From Dismember. Yeah. And now we're going to get into the greatest hits. Butchered at Birth from Cannibal Corpse. Love it. Considered Dead from Gore Guts. Amazing. Death Human. Oh, I've been listening to it all week. Been Caught Buttering from Pungent Stench. That needs to have a really good release coming from that. I mean, it does. It's Pungent Stench is really underrated. Um, <coughs> give me just a second. Um, and now we're finishing off. Finish it off. And I'm sorry, but I just I got to be honest about this stuff. There's three records left. And, you know, I just, I gotta be honest about it. A lot of people are not gonna agree with this. That's fine, I don't really care. Uh, Immolation, Donna Possession is number three. Oh, yeah. Amazing. This was really hard for me. But I'm still gonna have to lean. I'm still gonna have to lean in on this one. Um, and forgive me, guys. I'm sorry. I got to put you at two. Even though, God, this is really hard because I, I this this record to me changed my life. Um, and that's uh, Malevolent Creations, Ten Commandments. It's awesome record. But number one, I've got to go FG the Forgotten from Suffocation. Oh, of course. And that's it. Oh yeah. We are done, kids. I mean, if you guys can even process that many things <clears throat> coming out in '91, you just. Just sit there and bask in it. That's a hard one because the malevolent and it kind of yeah, and blessed are the sick too, and you know all that stuff. Yeah, that crazy. one's that one to me is not even close to those. I I, I like it, but it is really good. But. It is it's very good, but you yeah, I think com- the, I take had... Donna Possession over that any day. Yeah, me too. <coughs> and yeah, there's some personal bias in some of that, but whatever, I don't care. No, if I had to go favorite, I mean, Mellow Creation's one of my favorite death metal bands, so I'd probably put Butchered at Birth, you know, at least in the top three for me but I'd say number one probably still be the suffocation it's really close that album I can still do you know the Look at the, that. here's what the I did butchered I did, at birth it kind of goes in and out but I can listen to Effigy of the Forgotten did, any day I, of the I week. did Butchered and then I did uh, Immolation and then I did Malevolent yeah, same thing did. with Dawn I mean I can listen to that any day of the week you know Butchered Sometimes I can't <clears throat> listen to it. I don't know why. It just it doesn't stick with well, me. Well, Ten Commandments to me is actually better than Retribution. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, Any day. Um, and uh, best wishes to uh, Brett Hoffman with your uh, prostate cancer stuff. I wish you the best. <coughs> yeah, it's better. Very, I'm going to be joining you, but <laughs> so that's very <clears throat> sad to hear. Um, but I do want to also give a a shout out. And we mentioned it. We mentioned Massacre. Uh, you know that record. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a very underrated piece of death metal, and that's uh, Cam Lee. So I want to also give a shout out to you, 
he's a he's a pioneer of, of death metal, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. And I know a lot of people shit on him for the way he is, but you know, um, I think he has a lot to say, and he's he was pretty deep in the stuff, man. So uh, he has a lot of insight about the community, and he's a real motherfucker. And what made death metal what it was based on his attitude and how he still carries himself and hasn't changed. So I think that speaks more volumes than going along with everything and just going with emotions. He's not the type of guy that ever does ever did that and still doesn't to this day. So if any of you guys know him, follow him on Facebook like I do and, you know, try to talk to him every now and then. Um, definitely just, just show him some love and say what's up. Definitely worth talking to and, he knows uh, fucking he knows a lot about horror and all that stuff from the early death and uh the massacre stuff you can tell when he was in and out of it because it was more horror oriented because of him you know with uh from beyond obviously it was a huge nod to the to the film and um you know he's really a big fan of h p lovecraft shit and old school horror so he's a cool dude man and you know he kind of embodies <coughs> this podcast by being a part of such a critical part of, of death metal and uh, being such a, a avid horror fan. So, yeah, shout out to that, man. Yeah, but, uh, Massacre is... Uh, they're like brutality that kind of got swept over some of that stuff. Yeah, even though they were guys from was death. another band I mean, that was, I was a big fan of. But. Was, you know, it was guy, all the guys from death, Rick Ross and, uh, you know, Terry Butler, I mean... They were all in that group, and it was pretty, <coughs> you know, it's pretty solid stuff. Those first couple records. Um, but for Brett Hoffman, you know, he got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and he was a past guest of ours. He's very cool dude, and um, we wish him the best. So he has a GoFundMe page. Um, if you guys go on Malevolence page or anything, it's GoFundMe.com slash J7BDG6-5000. You can go on there and. And, and help out Brett. Help, yeah. Do the fundraiser. If you guys can still buy Malevolent Records, go fucking help this dude. And, you know, hopefully he gets a recovery or at least fights this thing off for some more years. And, you know, definitely needs it. So do all you can. Appreciate your support. Keep these motherfuckers going. Just like they've kept you going all these years, still doing Malevolent stuff. And, and they have a new record coming out with a new lineup. Yeah. With just Phil being the solo remaining member, and they'll come out later this year. We're going to have some of those folks on for you later in the year when I get more info on it. But yeah, that's definitely happening. Right. So. But yeah, do all you can. Support fucking death metal however you got to do it. If it takes throwing in your money to keep these motherfuckers alive, then, then that's what you got to do, you know. So just try to do your best. So thank you all. <coughs> you know, I would, whenever I watch an Italian film and a, uh, a woman is sticking her eye close to things that can puncture it, and I really get uh, excited. So, but I don't think anything's gonna happen right here. I don't know what the fuck she just drank. And I'll have to apologize. I don't know what's going on in this film at all. I just think I know there's some old dude that was invading her shit, and now she's got this well here. And I know based on the the synopsis that uh. There's some crazy shit down in that well. And she's got to go figure out what it is. And you got this little bunny here leading the way. 
There's some creepy little uh, pony over there. That's never a good sign. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as we're recording tonight, <clears throat> this is a very long evening. Corey and I both. Um, I'm a little under the weather. He's not slept much either, and he's kind of. And we're going to be attending the new Avengers film tonight um, at 11:45, and that's. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And of course, I've already read all about it. I've kept it to myself, for the most part. Unless when prompted. <coughs> but I'm very excited about it. And uh, if you guys don't know, we're both very into the, the into MCU. the world of Marvel. Yeah, we're into all that, so... I enjoy it. Um, most pictures, I didn't. I didn't care for Black Panther. I thought it had an agenda and it was kind of racist. But the other stuff, I really like. You know. Um, and by the way, when I say racist, I don't mean Black Panther's racist. I just meant the picture. I felt the director's hidden little things in there were racist. And it's like if you're mad at Donald Trump, don't take it out on me. I didn't vote for that that balding prick. <laughs> on top of the fact that I'm Cuban, so. You know, take it up with him, don't take it up with me. And I'm Jewish, I definitely vote for that motherfucker. <clears throat> right. But anyway, on a positive note... How much was the Gene Simmons shit here? It was uh, 350 For just a photo and a... And a that was and just autograph. a photo. God damn. Well, at our good folks at Days of the Dead, let me just tell you, uh, I will be traveling to, again this year to Indianapolis to see our good folks at Days of the Dead. And uh, Gene Simmons is the main headliner. All his little <coughs> VIP packages are long sold out and that includes, it's like 300 bucks and you get a photo, you get an autograph, then you get all this other shit. Like a selfie and like... <coughs> if you can imagine a Gene Simmons... Take it you're not doing it. A Gene Simmons package thing. You are doing it. Then you can just imagine all the extra shit that you don't need that makes it three hundred dollars. It's like, oh, you get a get Gene Simmons. Let me get this straight. You, you pre-ordered three hundred bucks for that. No, I didn't. They're sold out. This is what I'm getting to here. Sorry. You know the VIP thing. Yeah, you get a selfie. You get you get like a selfie, and then you get um an autograph. But then you get like a Gene Simmons figurine, and you get. <clears throat> a fucking laminate and you get this fucking dildo and you get all this bullshit it's just if you've ever tried to do a kiss vip thing for their shows that's like 1500 bucks <clears throat> i mean they make it 1500 bucks you get like you get a kiss class ring and you get kiss underwear and you get kiss fucking g-string and you just get all this shit that you don't need um so i'm happy to say because the gene simmons photo ops are available now on uh, days of the dead.net um and it's it's separate, of course, but I thought the VIP everything was going to be expensive because it's three hundred dollars for the VIP thing, but you get the autograph and you get a picture. But for a pro photo op and an autograph separately, hundred dollars a piece for either one. You drop two hundred, so it's two hundred bucks, and I get a pro photo op instead of a shitty selfie. And 
I get an uh, autograph. You dropped 200 200 dollars. You already done it? No, not yet. I gotta survive fucking Texas, man. I don't know how much money I'm gonna have to put towards Indy in the next two months, but it's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, if those are still available, once I'm recovering from uh, Texas Fright Gene's Mare weekend, gonna give you a plaster caster <laughs> of his penis. It'll go faster. Give me your cash. I'll tell you to fuck off. Yeah, I'm not going to do the, the whole Ace Freely thing or say, here you go. Like, I'm not going to be like, I'm Corey on Long Island, first band. I'm just going to be like, hey, man, what's up? Okay, cool. I'm just going to act like him. Just act and you're going to get this photo. Okay, look, look, this is this is your head. He's going to be like. Yeah, he's going to turn completely around and have it look With his it. sunglasses on where you can see the lot hitting his bald spot. Did it! <laughs> I'm excited about it. It's cheap. It's hundred dollars cheaper than it was here, and it's hundred fifty dollars cheaper than it was. Yeah, here. That's crazy. That just shows you, <coughs> or where you live, not where I live. Right. But uh, that's pretty exciting. There's a lot more guests to be announced there. So check out DaysOfTheDead.net for more, and uh, keep following mm-hmm. if it's they go to. Uh, they're doing Charlotte May 18th, and then they go to Indy in June, and then they have. Oh fuck! I'm horrible. I think Chicago and Los Angeles, and they got Louisville. So there's a whole bunch of them still coming. So if they're in your closer to your area, then definitely go attend because it's it's worth. It's a lot of fun. Well, if you're going to uh, Texas Frightmare, and I've been telling people on this on the on our on our page when I'm not corrected, um, <clears throat> you uh, you'll be there, and uh, they can meet you. Just walk up and, and meet him. He'll be wearing his party suit with skulls and stuff on it, which I really like. I will. And if Actually, you want to... Friday night, they're going to do a uh, Camp Crystal Lake reopening party, so it's going to be a nice theme. That's and, fucking awesome. And they're going to have counselors there, and I'm sure some of the Jasons will attend. And uh, <coughs> They'll play stuff from the movie. They're going to play Lion, and I think... I don't know what I'm going to dress up as. I would like to go as Crispin Glover. That'd be a lot of fun. I think this I'm is really what I thinking think. about the costume. I'm just gonna. I think you should drink with Kane Hodder at that. Me and Mrs. Gorkreis are gonna, uh, and then have him tell me to fuck off when I want another interview. No, that's Steve Dash. He'll be there too. Maybe I'll get drunk enough and just be like, "Hey, remember when you told me to fuck off? You fuck off." Yeah, you could. And then Kane Hodder be like, "Well, tell Tom you Savini fuck for off. Cr- thanks for crapping on me on social media." <laughs> well, hey, Tom Savini, here's your Night Riders back. I changed my mind. Can I get a refund on your autograph? Yeah, like, can you erase it? Can you it's get like, it's fucking, not a... Can you get your fucking signature off my product? It's bad, you know, the worst part is that it was just George's, and then I tarnished it with his. <coughs> the only reason I haven't thrown it away is because it has George Romero's signature on it. It's fucking butthole. But anyway, it's fine. Neither here nor there. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, come see me. Texas Frightmare Week, and I'll be running around doing my thing. He's going to be there. Um, He's doing a nude portrait where Clyde Barker's actually going to draw him nude. (laughs) So he's going to stand there naked, and if you want to get a glimpse of more than you ever knew about Corey Gorecrost... Yeah, when you guys add me on Facebook, you you have to, uh, you can only, I'll only add you if you message me and tell me what color my taint is. <laughs> well, the best, the best part of this for you guys is, if you meet is me at Frightmare, yeah. the proceeds 
to, to watch him be drawn by Clive Barker, it's a hundred a person, and I need you to make it's one fifty if you can <clears throat> if you can get me hard. Yeah, you get a little extra, <laughs> but um, we're splitting the proceeds, and it all goes to the Corey and Doctor West Need New Blu-rays Fund. So it's a great cause. Help me get hard um, for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Corey needs to come while he's at the convention. So <laughs> I'm going to come. I mean, during that, it's strictly professional. So I'm just going to be nude with a heart on. Yeah. If you can make it happen. And Clive's going to make him look like a demon. So it's going to be great. His demon cock. I'm going to have like fucking spike chains coming out of my fucking dong. <coughs> That's how I'm going to stay He's going to have a Cinnabot ha- penis and balls. That's how I'm going to stay hard is like his tortured soul chains are going to be holding my fucking dick up. <laughs> going to be tortured limp. But anyway, um, the funny thing, going back to Days of the Dead, uh, last year in Indianapolis, I met uh, Chuck, and I forget the other guy's name, I'm really sorry, uh, from uh, Incantation there. And that was really fun to uh, meet those cats. We were drunk as fuck together, hanging out for a while out in the... Because the thing with Indy, you know, that's where the, the whole thing started. So, um, that's always the biggest out of all the Days of the Dead conventions. Maybe L.A. or Chicago, I heard, it's pretty wild. But, uh, the biggest one's definitely indie because people just don't go to sleep. There's always, like, a ton of people <coughs> roaming around and outside, you know. I went to a couple of them last year. Like, Louisville was pretty dead after hours. And, um, you know, it's, it's harder to get into stuff because there's mostly, like, hotel parties. And there's not really people outside or, you know, indie... I was like, I have to. Do go they to have bed, swinger guys. horror fan like parties? Oh, I'm sure there's so much shit going on. That's weird. It's hard to keep up with them. I don't know, but I know indie. Like, I ended up going to bed when there was still a ton of people walking around. There was like so much shit to do at like 4 a.m. And I'm like, dude, I gotta go to fucking bed. I gotta go home now. So, um, indie, based on last year because we went to Atlanta, <coughs> indie, and then Louisville, and indie was definitely the the one we're gonna keep up with for sure. Um. It was just a good time. So, well, you're a big Colts to fan too. So, I mean, it works Ooh, out for you. God, you've got that Peyton Manning tattoo. And, <laughs> I mean, it's it's his life's blood. You 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 probably getting confused with that guy on balls on base. He's not really a baseball fan. He's just a hardcore Colts fan. Yeah, I'm not even a Mets fan. I mean, no, he's Colts. It's just Colts or Colts. nothing. Yeah, nothing. Because they don't have a baseball team, so I take my <clears throat> baseball rage and just put it into football. Uh, Tootie, his dog, they've renamed Peyton. So it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal for him. So in Indianapolis, be be sure to bring him free Colts merch. Please don't. He would love that. I'll use it as toilet paper. It's actually not even good enough for my shitty buns. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't addressed this yet. New Jersey Devils fans suck my cock and balls. Tampa Bay Lightning yep, all the way. Boston. Tampa dick. Boston, come get some. Come and get a little bit. Um yeah. Got that Tampa wiener. And wrong <laughs> podcast, but uh, we'll just say fuck the Washington Nationals there for Corey. Just for... Thanks. Just for fun. More more recently, fuck the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, okay. Actually, fuck St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. It's because kind of sewer. I take, uh, I take a personal enjoyment <laughs> as a sports fan as saying fuck your whole city and your state. Yeah, it's... So, I mean, if y'all know that out there... Missouri's kind of a toilet. If we, if we have... <laughs> Fans from anywhere, Missouri, thanks for listening, but uh, you live in a toilet, admit it. 
Yeah, it's... I mean, don't take pride in your city where your parents brought you. It's not your fault, so... Well, it's not the Jersey fans' fault that listen to us. They were born in a toxic waste pit, so... <laughs> They're yeah, born in New York, fucking drop off. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a shame. <clears throat> You've got LaGuardia, whatever, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't... Uh... It's I like don't, Donald, I don't pull for other teams. And it's like Donald Trump's nutsack so. over there. Yeah, it's stupid. He's stupid, so. <laughs> but yeah, fuck your city if I don't like your sports team. Basically, yeah. It's, I think that's a global thing. Yeah, I mean, you know. These soccer people burning shit down and killing people. Hey, so. Baker Mayfield, welcome to the Cleveland Browns, you fucking piece of shit. Is that who drafted him? Yeah. Oh my god. Well they got Did rid- they get him first or fourth? First. I mean Jesus. Who else is gonna get a quarterback? Welcome to the Cleveland Browns, you fucking hack. Are you looking at the draft? Yeah. What Let's did ja- what did the what did the Jags get? I'm looking. The Colts got Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. That's annoying. Denver Broncos got Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State. Let's see. Wow. New York Jets actually got a fucking quarterback. <coughs> Who'd you get? <coughs> Would you get Mayfield or Rosen? It was uh, Sam Darnold from SoCal. Oh, nice. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Um, Giants got Saquon Barkley from Penn State. That overrated running back. Yep. I mean, there's not a whole lot of good ones here. Sorry, we're on the NFL podcast now. Um, it's just live. We're doing it for live. Fuck it. But Bill's got Josh Allen from Wyoming. Okay. Whatever. The Bears got Raquan Smith from Georgia, linebacker. Yeah, I don't care about any of these. Jags. The Cardinals got Josh Rosen from UCLA. That's all that's been done so far. Okay. I haven't gotten to the Jags yet. Pats haven't done anything. Nope. Nothing good yet. But yeah, um, I'm recording it. I I enjoy watching the draft. I uh, yeah, the draft's pretty. Cool, I'm a big usually. pro football fan. So it seems go, to be a little bigger. Go Jags! Year. I'm a huge Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Me uh, too. So blow me Steelers fans! You can suck a fat fart out of my asshole. <laughs> um, fuck your goddamn hockey team too. Um, Hope you get flushed by the Capitals, or we'll be doing the flushing. Hope you get pegged. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know I. Uh... <coughs> that lighthouse looks like a big old dick. It does look like a hard on. <laughs> uh. I like this movie though. It's very it's very interestingly the print's gorgeous. Yeah, Sophie, I think it's a good little uh, streak we're on right now with his films. I'm enjoying them. These guys are uh, serving up some, it looks like fucking Beck's, that beer that they're drinking. A little Beck's beer around a fucking barrel fire. This guy's got like a damn public enemy hat on. He, I don't know what, who created this guy, but it's very strange. uh very strange man that they put together here. It's not a it's not a public enemy hat, but it looks like one. Here's some old whore. Looks like his fucking mom. 
He's like, hey there, sweetie. Is that my flashlight? Or is that my lipstick? That's funny. He's about to get the fucking beef. She's about to pull out her fucking wang. Something's about to go down. It's another cult killer. Yep, there goes her fucking handkerchief. That's how you know when someone's old when they throw their handkerchief over a light fixture. Would you fuck that old whore? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that looks kind of like a a West special. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't date her. No. I mean, this guy's about to... He looks like Willem Dafoe. Like, where's our buddy at? I mean, it's never a good idea to uh, follow an old lady who's dressed like she's going to Olive Garden in a, into a, a fucking truck. Well, there's some tit. There you go. One hour and four minutes. Mr. Skinless always has your back. Your bare back. So there's a tit for you. Some old lady tit. She's got a knife. She's. These guys are about to fucking seriously cock block him. Even though this cock block is okay because they might potentially save his, this guy's life. Um, not just from, from AIDS, but... Oh my god! He's stabbing her! Holy shit! What a turn of events, folks. I thought he was going to come into his mutilated ass, but he's fucking <coughs> stabbing the fuck out of her. And not with his pecker, with her knife. So he looks surprised. Like I said, we have no subtitles on this. So I'm guessing he, in self-defense, because she's fragile and old, and tried to stab him, that he just went to fucking town on her uh, her chest there with a, with her own weapon. So That was pretty raunchy. It was very... Uh... See, that was good. That surprised me. This movie's full of surprises. It never takes the direction I think it's going to. It comes right back, and it's like, oh, no, this is going to happen instead. So... I don't know what the significance of the bunny symbolism is in this movie. Um, but there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of it with uh, Kelly Curtis's character. The so-called devil's daughter. So. Uh. At this point, the, that uh, little the cult grandma has been, has been thwarted. So that's interesting. Oh. Uh. So yeah, who do you think's more attractive? You still <coughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is more attractive than Kelly Curtis? I don't really think either of them are attractive, honestly. No, no. I never thought Jamie Lee Curtis was attractive, and I don't consider her the scream queen everybody thinks she is. And I love John Carpenter, but she honestly is so annoying in that movie. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, she only got the job because her mom was the one that gets killed in the shower scene. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> it's the truth. She's Janet Lee's daughter. It's like it's the only reason you got that job. Well, I just never thought she was attractive. I don't. I don't find her. Um, I don't think any of the girls in Halloween are attractive, honestly. Yeah, I find Jamie Lee Curtis more attractive in the fog than I do in Halloween. Yeah, she's attractive in that. <laughs> but like a road slut, like a 
truck stop whore. <laughs> well, that's the stuff not you like, like a not like a not like a you know not like a, this. I don't know whatever she's supposed to be or whatever. It just doesn't. I don't know. I can't hear my. There we go. Now I can hear myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry about See, that. I thought she was good looking in trading places because she was an actual. Oh God, she was an actual whore. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just I was talking about Halloween. Yeah, I don't know why. Just immediately when people say her name, I think of that. I didn't think oh, yeah, she was attractive kind of... in in true uh, true laws either. I thought she was very disgusting looking in that. <laughs> she was. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was to make Arnold look look fuckable. I don't know. Um, nice pink corded phone. That's beautiful. But I was saying, in comparison, however you want to see them, which one do you think is more attractive? With, no matter how you have to look at, what's her name? Jamie Lee Curtis. And I mean, that's her sister? Yeah. Probably Jamie. Yeah. Her sister looks more like her mom. Yeah. Which now her mom was There you a go, hottie. there's some doctors. Her mom was yeah. a hottie back in the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, electrocute those titties. Defibulate. That's a cool image. It's not even sexual. It's just when you see titties defibrillating. Just kind of jumble around. It's like... You know, it's nature. It's like National Geographic shit right there. This is more like TLC channel, but... With all the doctor stuff going on. It's true. <clears throat> so, I've got a friend of mine that's checking to find out right now, because he's there... What time they're opening that theater up? There's nowhere to park. I'm sure there's it's not. Last Jedi Part Two. It's gonna be worse than Last Jedi. Let's be real. Well, yeah, because there's less showings of it. So I don't know. He's already there. Really? Yep. Cool. We got a man on the inside. Yep. I mean, I don't want to get there too early, but at the same time, I don't want to be there where it's like. We need to go after we're done with this. Immediately, yeah. Yeah. We need to pack up and go. Because, folks... I'm having him ask right now. It's fun this is on here. I'm having him ask. If you guys are like us, (coughs) which I'm sure a lot of you are listening, where you have to go see something opening night, not even Friday night, but Thursday, we go see stuff the day before the actual opening night. Pre-screening. Pre-screening. Which they do early showings in most movies. Yeah. Um, we have done it a couple times where we're like, nah, we'll make it, it'll be fine, previews. For these kinds of movies like Avengers and Star Wars, anything, um, definitely gotta be there. Like a fucking, like a flight is leaving. You gotta be there like an hour early so that you can get in. Because what movie did we try to go see and we couldn't get fucking seats? Fucking Star Wars. Was that Last Jedi? That's what I'm saying. That was a, a, a nightmare. We had to move our showings. Well, like, the, well, the worst thing about... Because we went in there and we could not find a seat. Well, the worst thing about this, if we don't get there early enough, we won't get to sit together. That's what I'm saying. We need to go ahead and go as soon as we're done. Because it's that late of a showing, we need to get in line and get ready. Because I'm not missing this. And I'm not, I'm not... I can't... This is the last showing we're going to. It's like... We're doing the 11.45, folks. It's the very last one, so we can't move our time. We're just not going to go see it. We can't see it tonight if we don't get there early enough. So um, We're going to have to pull the superhero move and just head straight there and, and find our fucking boys and get our seats. 
So that's going to be the only way to do it. Even though usually they seat pretty early at those things too. Like if it's 11.45 sometimes, under my impression, it was like 30 minutes before they seat it. But we, I think Last Jedi when we went, they were seating people like an hour early, and that's what fucked us, was that they started seating way early. So it was a nightmare. We had nowhere to sit. There was people holding seats for like a fucking church group, so we had nowhere to sit. There was like 12 people in one one, one group, which is outrageous. And so we had nowhere to sit, try to get the ushers on. Apparently there. half a Best Buy is going, so that's kind of funny. I don't know. So we should have a giant row of people we're sitting with. <coughs> they're all <coughs> they're all cool. It'll just be me and Taro and uh, Warchrist yeah. and, and Cody but and everyone else he works with. But anyway, so, huh. which is fine. I don't care. It's nobody, it's nobody like, you know, Garrett right. and Jason and that stuff. It's not that. It's good stuff. I, at least I think so. I don't know some of those fucking people, but my, my security guard's going to be there. Jordan. Jordan will be there. Shout out to Jordan. See you not there, bud. You big bastard. <laughs> he is. He's my fucking security guard. Like, literally, he's that big where I'm going to be like, have you talked to Phantasm Security? Because <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's cool. You'll like it, Jordan. Um, yeah, definitely treat this shit like it's it's a flight leaving and, and get there early. Because if it's something like Marvel anything or uh, Star Wars, whatever... Just just be there if you want to see it. Be there early enough. Because otherwise you ain't getting shit. You're just going to have to sit. Because I refuse as a moviegoer to pay that much money and then sit in the very front where I can't see. I'm not doing that. It's either the back or the middle or nothing. And usually it's the back or nothing as early as we get there. So, um, I've seen one movie sitting in the very front. I'm never doing it again. Because there's no point. The screen's too big. <coughs> I mean, you're looking at it from five feet away, a screen that fucking big, and, you know, it's you break your neck for two hours. No point, so. Payback is a mother. <laughs> that looks like a turd. Yeah, I hope there's not a lot of people there tonight. Hopefully we can just watch it and leave and, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. You know, you know how we roll. No, that won't be so. that big a deal, but too much of a rant about that. But anyway, we have John from uh, Incantation coming on here in... Uh, about 10 minutes something like that I can't remember how much is left this movie yes, but yeah it's a short movie it seems like it's been pretty raunchy so far yeah it's it's pretty good <clears throat> not my fake my uh favorite uh soybean movie no however you pronounce his name sorry right but so are you, are you excited about going to uh Texas Frightmare still what's that no yeah you excited about it I mean, it's going to be pretty epic, you know. I mean, there's a lot of cool guests here. Are you going to try to get some interviews and stuff? Or? Um, as much as I would like to, it's, you know, it's always hard trying to conduct things in the middle of a convention. It's always so crazy. And as busy as I'm anticipating it, you know, the most you can really do at bigger conventions is to really just kind of network and, you know, get some... Uh, Get some emails, get some contact info, and sure. try to set something up at a later time, you know. That seems to be the best way to do it anyway, because it's very rare you can get something done at a convention. Oh, yeah. Smaller conventions, sure. Um, you get there before hours, but unless you do VIP stuff, you know, I don't think with press they let you in early to where no. you can go do stuff. They kind of treat you like a just a weekender and not really a... Give you the full reins to go where you need to to get what you want. Um, not to mention, 
a lot of the guests, um, you know, they don't they arrive late because they're you know, sure, got to go get breakfast and you know they got to get ready to knock out you know uh, autograph after autograph, picture after picture, uh, photo ops, uh, Q and As. I mean, they're right. They definitely <clears throat> put the work in as you know. Probably more than some of them do in film. I mean, to, to be at a convention and, you know, it's a lot of work for right. uh, just, you know, anybody. You know, um, with the likes of, you know, actors like Tobin Bell or Doug Bradley or Brad Dourif, um, you know, <clears throat> they're going to be busy, busy all weekend. And, of course, Clyde Barker, you know, that's going to be crazy. So, I mean, you've, you've got... Um You've got fuck off there too. One of your favorite people, oh, Steve Gash. Yeah, 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 and Tom Savini. So you know, we'll just make. I'll just make. I my appreciate own. Tom telling me he'd do our podcast and then just you know letting it go down the toilet like a piece of toilet paper. It's all right. It happens. It's okay. Happens more than you all know, but that's why we're still here because we, we try. Yeah, you know. You, you get a lot of no's, and, and then you get a couple of yeses in there. And these that's, wonderful labels that blow me off, too. That's yeah. the, you know, the guest like uh, John that was very humble about coming on and had a great time with uh, Dr. West here. And, yes, he was very cool. You know, you get people like that, and that, that's all we really ask for anyway. So if people don't want to do it, it's good that they they don't. Cause in a couple of weeks, we have, um, I don't know his name. I apologize. We have some of the folks or a guy from MVD collection uh, yeah, coming on, which is awesome, and we're excited to have them on. And <clears throat> I apologize, but we've not gotten on a first name basis. But we're excited to have you guys on in like three weeks, so it's going to be cool. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. yeah, we got a lot of things coming. We got the the uh, Jessica Natasha Fangoria. That's going to be awesome. It's exciting. <clears throat> um, who else we got? We're doing that when you get back, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then we got... Uh, fuck, I'm just brain farting here. This movie. We've got some stuff, you know, that um, I can't really talk about on here yet till it's concrete. But. Got Sherwood Weber of Skinless. That's going to be awesome. That's right. I'll be doing that interview in a few weeks. It's pretty cool. Huge fan of Skinless, so it's pretty awesome. Um, now, is he on everything? Yes. Nice. It's awesome. Not a founding member, but he's been on every record of theirs yeah nice That's and they've really been around cool. since like you know sure i think they formed in 92 he joined in 94 on the first full length um i'm excited to hear their new record it looks really cool yep it's a uh, savagery if i remember correctly yeah it is uh album art looks really cool they put out a, a music video that's really raunchy so that's really good um it's good to, to have some solid death metal still coming out it's really nice um like I think, you know, bands like Incantation and um, speaking of, you know, still just putting out raunch butt records and, and keeping it alive and staying true to the sound and while also, you know, progressing and sounding even better than they did. So um, props to bands like Incantation for always flying that underground flag and, and not changing for anybody and acting commercial and you know, still giving back to the fans and... and Perfect Nexus is a great know. album, too. It is. It really is. Um, one of the better death metal albums return home on that. We went back to Relapse, which is interesting, but... Right. 
Yep. It was uh, one of the better records from last year, I think. Yeah, There's a I lot agree. of stuff that, you know. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, It was pretty, pretty... Definitely my top five. It's pretty well received among the, the underground death metal community. And, you know, guys like us, we really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. He was like, he's spectacular. You guys will get to hear that here momentarily, actually, because we're going to... Right. Get, hand you over to uh, John and my interview and check that out and we'll have updates next time in the future from Corey as his adventure continues right and, so, uh, and we're going to go Corey Anna Jones Avengers. as he goes to <laughs> Texas and uh, fires uh, Jerry Jones and he takes over as the Cowboys new owner <sighs> as much as I would love to do that yeah, he's a pud. It's it's yeah. the one reason I could never really truly like that team is he's such a dickhole. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> but anyway, John McNee, thank you for everything. Appreciate you. And uh, sorry this took so long to get up. We had to get up and running in 2018. It takes a minute. Kind of like a band, I guess, but it's a little different. <laughs> it's busy lives. And, yeah, we both uh, got uh, <clears throat> you know our separate things going on. It takes a lot for Dr. West to get to Knoxville. So, um, you know, when we do stuff. Sometimes we have to record on the phone, so it just depends. But, but either way, yeah. So, John, thank you. And uh, the sect, I guess we need to do the final thoughts. It's we will. We'll cue up the, the final thoughts. Not very good. I shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> I mean, it was cool seeing it. Like, now that I have it's seen pretty, it... pretty. It looks good. If you I'm, like the film, it's I'm great. just glad you bought it and I didn't. And we got to watch it through you. That was very well, nice of you. you. You're welcome. It's very nice of you. You're welcome. Um, my $10 thanks you. <laughs> but, my, my credit card thanks you. Yeah, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> good movie for John. It, it, it is a good movie. It's just... Um, when we're, we're huge uh, Sophie fans, so... Comparing it to the rest of his filmography, you know, like Cemetery Man and... Um, that that one we watched was it the church? No, we didn't watch the church. Not yet. It was uh, what was the other one we watched? Stage, Stage fright. fright. Yeah, great movie. Oh. This one, if you put it into like a trilogy with those, this would be the weaker of the three. But I enjoyed it. There's a lot more giallo uh, stuff going on in this film versus the other movie. two. The other two are it just kind of straight, just nastiness. Um, but this one. It's a little dragging, but you know it's it's worth watching. I don't know about buying, but it's worth watching. Uh, Profane you Nexus, like the movie, you should. Profane Nexus by Incantation is definitely worth buying. So you should pick that up if you don't have it already. What are you doing? It's been out a year, so uh, go pick it up on Relapse Records. Uh, we'll now leave you with John of Incantation, his interview with Doctor West here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all your support. Um, Keep supporting Phantasm Podcast and support Underground Death Metal. And stay fucking gory. This is John McAtee from Incantation, and you're listening to this and West on the Phantasm Podcast. For a long time, and it's an honor to have you mm-hmm. on. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, man. Of course. All right. We'll uh, we'll get going here, and uh, 
I'll introduce you and we'll get everything rolling. Okay, awesome. This is Dr. Vincent West with the Phantasm Podcast, and uh, my guest needs no introduction. Uh, founder in the New York death metal scene and just legend overall over the years, putting out amazing death metal and keeping us all on our toes for every release. And uh, I'm joined today um, by John from Incantation. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. It's an honor to have you on. And uh, of course, you got the latest oh, album. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an honor. Uh, so we'll start out here for for the listeners here. Uh, let's talk about a his- the history of Incantation, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, you know, history of incantation goes back quite a long way. I mean, it started in, like, around July, August, probably the beginning of August 89, I think. Okay. Um, I played in another band called Revenant before I played in incantation. We were kind of like a, a uh, kind of like a death brush type band, like with an aggressive I think it's kind of like an aggressive fresh band or something like that. And I kind of wanted to take it more in a uh, more aggressive direction that, that they wanted to go with. And at that time, we were searching for drummers because the drummer left that band revenant. And while I was looking for drummers, I came across uh, Paul Ledney, who I, I was uh, advised about from my friend Ross Dolan from Immolation told me that, you know, uh, about Paul Redney. So we got together and I used to just kind of hit it off. But apparently, after jamming on some of the Revenant songs together, that we really wanted to kind of do something different than what Revenant was doing. And, you know, we decided instead of having him, you know, be a prospect drummer for Revenant we just started our own band I would leave Revenant and start a band and we called the Incantation um it was basically kind of the birth of Incantation was from my other band it just you know it was kind of like I found you know another person that kind of looked at things in a similar way as I did so it was kind of you know it kind of gave me that um inspiration to move forward and stuff with Incan and um, you know from there uh, even though Paul Reddy and I lineup only lasted about six months or whatever before he decided he wanted to do more of a black metal band which ended up being pro um, you know that kind of still gave me the um, I guess the inspiration to move forward kind of with my own vision with the band and yeah pretty much um, you know, I, it's just really fortunate because we end up finding a really good lineup. Um, and after a few years, you know, with the kind of the Gogotham lineup, um, you know, really great members, just really great, um, you know, it was great to jam with people that were, you know, looking at things the same way I was musically and lyrically. Um, you know, and we just were fortunate enough to be able to, you know, come up with some really great music. And, you know, our first album when it came out, you know, we, you know, 
we had no idea how it was going to do because it was something that I think was distinctively off as a band and wasn't quite like the other death metal releases out there. So we really didn't know what to expect, but we were just kind of stubborn, uh, you know, kids just saying, fuck it, we want to do it our way and everybody could fuck off. And, um, you know, things worked out really well. And, you know, there just, you know, unfortunately that lineup didn't last so long. I think my, my explanation for why it didn't last is because I don't think we really ever expected the band to take off the way it did. And it's like, when things did as well as it did, it kind of, it was weird, but it kind of broke us apart instead of pulling us together. Uh, maybe it was just all of us being um, young and stuff, which is, you know, kind of a bummer. I think when you're young, you don't have to deal with uh, things quite as uh, diplomatically as you do when you're older and older and stuff. But, um, yeah, and from that point on, we've just been really fortunate. I mean, um, kind of after the Miracle um, Cocktail lineup and stuff, you know, the next really big step to the band was when, uh, you know, I met up with Kyle, a clean one, and we just started off really well. And, you know, the band really was able to uh, move forward because Kyle and I both had a similar vision, and we also got along really well with friends, and we both kind of complement each other, um, you know, position in the band and stuff like that. We both have our strong points, and, um, you know, were able to work well as a team, um, you know, and then just, um, you know, just kind of just fortunate because, you know, we put out in the late 90s a proud Diabolical Conquest, which was like, you know, an album that sold probably just as well, if not better than, you know, our Honor to About the album. So it was really great right. that, you know, we were able to continue doing quality music over the years, you know, like, I think early on, people weren't sure, but well, we did always go cosmic, and then we did, um, Mortal from Nazarene, at the time when we did Mortal from Nazarene, it didn't, it didn't go over that well, people didn't really understand the album at all, so, I think there was a segment of the population that kind of thought that Incantation was kind of like a one-trick pony, with, um, you know, Golgotha, and once we did Diabolical Conquest, it kind of showed that we still had, you know, a lot of ideas and stuff like that, and that we weren't just a kind of one of the fly-by-night death metal bands of the early 90s. And, um, you know, from that point on, I mean, it's just, um, you know, over the years, you know, we have, we've been lucky enough to gain new fans uh, from all different eras of the band. I mean, it's such a phenomenal thing that people of all different ages, people, you know, our age, obviously, my age, at least, to, you know, really obviously, you know, got into, like, the early albums and stuff like that, but then there's newer generations throughout our history that have different albums that they really think uh, need a lot to them, and as a um, songwriter, it's, you know, such a great feeling to be able to uh, write music that means something to all different generations of you know, death metal heads with us being able to kind of, you know, speak towards them musically. You know, it's a great feeling to kind of do things the way you want to do it and still have people like it, you know, and not just like it for one era, but, you know, we, you know we've know, we been around now for 
crazy amount of 30 years and we have people, you know, for even over the last album, you know, had new fans getting into us, which is great. You know, it's just never ever stuck in our uh, wildest dreams with the thought that the band would have been still around 30 years from now. I mean, honestly, I thought maybe we had like a five year, you know, span or something like that. 30 years is just, um, almost ridiculous <laughs> you know right. especially for a death metal band I never would have thought that I thought that people would have been sick of the crazy stuff we do you know <laughs> I, I've been a fan since Onward came out and uh, I awesome the the scene that you you know that that you came out of in New York like are now you have a relationship there was Mortician as well right and you played live with Mortician is that right yeah, the Mortician uh, connection was after um, Paul Edney left the band. I had to put, I, you know, put another lineup together, and we didn't have a vocalist at the time. And it just happened to be at that same time Mortician lost to the guitar player. So we basically, taught, you know, said, "Okay, well, how about I play guitar and Mortician until you just find somebody else." And if you can help us out with vocals on incantation on a demo and maybe do some live shows, can we just find a vocalist? So right. it ended up, you know, we just kind of helped each other out. And, you know, I playing with Mortician was, was a real blast. And it was, it was actually a really good learning experience for me because I came, before I played in incantation, like I said, I played in Revenant. And we were a lot more technical as a band. And, it was nice to go to a band like Mortician where it was like a band that made a lot more with a lot less. Like, there wasn't a lot of notes involved in the song, but they still had the different feelings throughout the songs and stuff like that. And I learned a lot about, you know, sometimes being simple, you know, is just as good as being technical. You know, you, you can make, you don't always need to do a lot of notes to make something good. You can do something original and uh, simple. So, you know, I'm really fortunate that I was able to play with Mortician. That was, it was a really short time. I only played the band for about six to eight months, but it was such a productive time in the band that, you know, it, it almost seems longer. But when I look at it, it was really only a short period of time. But I mean, we did the Day of Death Fest, which kind of helped get Mortician time because um, it brought us to a bigger audience. I was able to do the demo with Mortician, which, uh, you know, hit it off really well for them. And, uh, you know, I played a whole bunch of live shows. Uh, a lot of the shows I played were incantation mortician shows because it was just easier for, we were all there already, and we just, we do a lot of shows together. And both bands didn't have enough of a uh, repertoire of songs to play a nice long set. So, you know, we'd be able to play two sets and it probably was the same amount of time as, you know, a regular headlining set or something. Well, it's... I, Will is one of those people... It's like having you on today. Anyone that knows me, having you on... And if I could ever have Will on, you guys are like bucket list death metal people for me. So it's <laughs> it's 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 really oh, interesting no. hearing about the story with you guys. It's neat. Oh, well, Mort I mean, Mortician, um, you know, is a, is a great band, you know... I've always been so happy for Mortician that they've done as well as they have in the band because I think it just shows you that it's like, you know, 
you could have you could make your vision come true without having all the bells and whistles, you know. It's like when you listen to Mortician, it's just brutal as fuck, you know. There's yeah. no if ands or buts about it. But and it's good. It's just it's like kind of no frills, you know, no frills mortality, which I think is refreshing, you know. Some of these bands, you know, over concentrate on, you know, like I said, over technicality on stuff and sometimes just forgetting like the true barbar barbarity of just, you know, crushing it with, you know, just a few heaviest fuck notes, you know. Mortician is, is a great band. I mean, for me, my favorite Mortician release is Zombie uh, Apocalypse. I mean, every time I listen to that, it just sounds like a monster just crushing everything in its path. It's like one of the heaviest, <laughs> yeah. heaviest releases I think ever recorded um, in history. I mean, it just, to me, it's so fucking heavy. It's unbelievable. You know, it's definitely an inspiring to hear that because. It just make it just makes you want to like just play heavier after listening to it. It's just like you know, it's such a high level of brutality. It's, it's amazing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I it's still it's still distinguishable, which is great too. You know, I mean, hacked up for barbecue for me is just fucking fantastic. Oh yeah, obviously that's a great a great release too. And um, yeah, I mean. I, Knowing those guys, was Roger more the horror guy, or was Will more the horror guy? Oh, well, Will was definitely the horror guy. I mean, when I first would go over to Will's house and I'd you know, try to learn mortician songs, and we would work on some of the Incan stuff or whatnot, I'd go over to his place, and he had a huge collection of horror movies. And we're talking, you know, we were like uh, probably 20 years old, 21 max, probably, you know, and he had already a huge collection of horror movies and stuff, so Will definitely was is the horror guy. I mean, Will is just a big collector of horror music, of, I mean, horror um, movies, um, death metal music, and, like, hardcore punk music. He's just, he, he's just a collector of stuff, like, of extreme, uh, you know, media and stuff like that, so I would say definitely Will is the brains behind the horror movie aspect of Mortician. Um, you know, and then once um, Roger came in the band, you know, he really, he was just the perfect person to uh, play with Will because he just really brought in an extra layer of 
brutality to what he was doing. I mean, Roger's, um, you know, guitar work and mortician is just second to none when it comes to heaviness, you know? Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And if anything, Roger's the Star Wars guy. I mean, he's he's out of his mind with Star Wars. I mean, I remember going to his house. He just had rooms and rooms full of Star Wars. I mean, nonstop Star Wars. They, they do it out of his freaking mind. <laughs> Star Wars. I mean, I like Star Wars, too, but he's just like, he. it's like, you know... He goes. He, he enjoys Star Wars as much as a crack addicted or you know, like crack. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Now so he totally, he totally rules. Ru- you know, <laughs> well, Roger's a great guy, a great, a great guitar player, and a great friend too. Really nice guy. Do you still keep in touch with Will at all? Yeah, we still talk. I mean, we don't talk. We don't talk a lot, like. Uh, you know, on the phone or anything, but we keep in touch a little bit by email, and mostly just when we see each other, you know, we talk and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, Will's, Will's always, a, you know, been a great friend of mine, and just uh, someone I've always really appreciated his help in the band, and the fact of letting me play a partition, I always thought was, a, a, you know, something I always hold close to me, you know? Definitely, definitely. Now, that, that scene, you know, just, uh, just, you know, it's it's so amazing, you know, having you on today because we, we've had the suffocation guys, we've had uh, immolation on, and uh, so so having you on was you know huge. And then hopefully one day we'll 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 find out. I don't know. I've, I've tried reaching out to. The, I don't really know how to get in touch with him, and so. But yeah, yeah, maybe one day. But yeah, but yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to take. I know, I know Will's like on Facebook and stuff, so you could reach out to him that way. I don't know how active he is on there, but I know he has a Facebook account. Not very active. It, I don't think he's been on there in like two years. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> oh, it's possible. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I mostly see him at shows and stuff like that. But I know they're, they're starting to play out more Mortician again. So, you know, I'm sure um, I'll see him around enough. Putting a good word for you. you I know? appreciate that, John. That's awesome. The next time I see you. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Profane Nexus. What one of my favorite albums from last year? So many death metal releases. One of the, one of the top tier releases last year. And uh, uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Of course. And what I'd like to do now with you, if it's cool, I'll go uh, track by track with you and have you uh, tell the listeners here about the, some of the songs here. Okay, I mean, I can do I can do it more um, musically because the lyrics are actually quite complex, and that's like a Chuck uh, Sherwood thing to explain. And okay, you could probably have a whole podcast on him on his own explaining the stories because it's it's he's out of his freaking mind. Okay, but, um, well maybe we'll have Chuck <laughs> on to do that. But yeah, if you don't mind doing the music for each one, I'd love to gr- get you to do that if that's cool. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. So we'll start uh, with uh, Muse. Okay. Well, that that one was uh, that one actually was like a really um, well, I, yeah. I guess it was. I guess I would consider a really old song. It was a song that we've had lying around in the incantation camp since about 2011 or something. Uh huh. And the riffs, like we had the basic riffs, but. And we always take it out to try to work on because we were going to use it for Vanquish and Vengeance. And then we were going to use it for, um, you know, a Thirds of Elysium. But 
it's like the song just never made the cut. Like it was never, it, it never worked out the proper way. I mean, we, we've rewritten it and restructured the same riffs and we knew we liked the general gist of it. It's just that the pieces never fell together, you know? And that, it was just one day at practice, I just, I just got inspired and, you know, we added kind of like, um, there's two different things that we, just added like we changed the way we played like the first main riff in the song um and then we also added like the doomy part at the end and it just we were just able to turn it into you know a really great uh landscape of the song where it just kind of starts off you know really kind of aggressive and brutal and then kind of goes into a kind of a more twisted you know, doomier-ish type, um, you know, passageway kind of towards the end, which is something that we, you know, really like doing with our songs. We like to have them kind of go somewhere, you know, and a lot, you know, it. I think that song ended up really having a, a 90s, more traditional incantation vibe to it once all the pieces kind of went together. It just, it's one of those things where you just can't like, um, force a song to be right. It's better just to hold on to the song for a while and just wait for all the pieces to fall together. Like, I really like the song a lot. I think it's, in my opinion, it came, it became one of the, one of my highlights of the album, but it was just, um, you know, it was weird because it came from a song that was just kind of like, you know, the lemon of the pack for a while, you know, just we couldn't get it, couldn't get it to work. But, you know, one day you just get that spark and it's like, ah, it all makes sense now, you know? It's a great track. Yeah, I think it's a good, uh, a good intro track because it kind of gives like, it kind of gives you everything, a little taste of everything what Incantation is kind of in a nutshell, which I think is a good way to start the album and stuff, so... Definitely, yeah. definitely. And then uh, track two, uh, Rights of the Locust. Okay, yeah. Rights of the Locust was, um, that was basically a song that uh, Chuck came up with, kind of the basic riff ideas for that song. And it just kind of, um, it was kind of like, I would say it was mostly a Chuck song with a little bit of, my input in there but it was like Chuck came up with most of the riffs and it was just like you know basically you know I my contribution to it was more almost like structure and trying to make the structure kind of pop and mean something or whatever and then like Sonny came up with the idea of really um taking like the first first riff and really like um getting the picking really fast for that part and make it like an intense more intense than it originally was like maybe the, er- the earlier version of that picking was a lot more oh, strumming almost more like um like an old, old and holy massacre kind of vibe right and with uh you know uh, right you know with sunny he put the idea of adding the picking more brutal and I thought it just really uh, helped the song kind of stand on its own as a, a, a you know good brutal original sounding song 
you know, and I, the thing I like about the song is that it, it doesn't sound, it sounds like an incantation song, but it doesn't sound like any, you know, it doesn't sound like another incantation song at all. It kind of has its own identity to it, which I think is, for me, is means a lot because after all these years of writing songs, you know, I like to still have stuff that, you know, sounds like incantation, but doesn't, uh, doesn't sound like just rehashed old stuff, which I thought that was a good example of, um, you know, writing new songs, but still keeping a traditional vibe there, you know? Definitely, definitely. It's a, it's a killer track. And then uh, track three, I'm going to do my best to pronounce uh, Visceral Hexhedron. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Visceral Hexhedron, yeah. Um, that one, um, I think, fuck, offhand, I got to think of what the freaking song is now. I haven't played that one for a while. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. I just, I just, some, off the top of my head, I, that one is, uh, fuck. Um, God damn it! Wow, it would help if I remember the damn song from the end. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Fuck. If I could just hear it for a second, I, I know because I. Fuck. What you want to think? That was. Ah. Uh, I can read you some lyrics yeah, if you like. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. That might help. I reside within, <laughs> under fathomless silence, event horizon of gathered darkness. Their daggers slice through thought, subconscious, this chamber. I'm confined, cerebral, secretion cloaked interior, where life is inferior. Uh, man, I feel like a dope. I can't think of a fucking song. I just can't. It's, I'm of a mental... mental um, mental breakdown at the moment. Um, hold on a second. Just give me one quick, quick moment, okay? Yeah, of cor- course. Yeah, Sorry. John. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, let me see here. Yeah, whatever you need to do, man. You're good. I, I didn't mean to stump you. No, it, it shouldn't have, really, but my brain has been, like, on other stuff. Dude, you guys have so much stuff. I don't know how you... I mean, it would all run together to me after a while, to be honest with you. <laughs> Let me see here. Once I hear it, perfect. Once I hear it for a second, I'm going to have to call the dope. No, it's all good, man. Mm. Oh, yeah. I know, I know that one. 
<laughs> Sweet. That's the hey. That, that's the power of the editing tool, too, John. None of this ever happened. <laughs> that, that's a great. Um, that's a great song. I, I totally. Um, yeah. You know what? It's kind of weird because I almost forgot about it. Because like after I do the album, I like never listen to it again unless I have to work on the songs for set list. Sure. Because I don't get pleasure out of hearing my own music, and um, that's a killer song. I got it. Yeah, say that one. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that one was um, that one is really killer. Just like you know, more of more of like a good old sludgy kind of heavy doom one. Um, I it's one if I remember correctly, I think most of that one. Yeah, I think most of that one I came up with myself as far as actual riff wise um it was it was just like i had the ideas which i thought were really cool for like the earlier slower part where you know the guitars do like that kind of um uh kind of push bends over the slow doomy part i just thought it would be a really cool kind of added bonus and um yeah i I like it because, to me, that's just really, like, highlights our, um, you know, barbarity um, in that song. I mean, it just has, like, it just, to me, at least, it just has a feeling of just pissed off, agonizing, just heavy as fuck, um, you know, kind of vibe to it. And I'm re- I really like the... Um, the last verse in that song it just it has a it just ends in a really I think it just ends with a really cool riff it's kind of one of those songs just kind of like moves you know it does a little back and forth in the in the early middle part of it but most of the song kind of just kind of moves ahead and that song itself is kind of like the I call it the cliff note version of the original version of the song where we had we had the same song that was about a ten minute song, and we decided for the album we were going to cut it down to like a reasonably length song, so we could actually play it live sometime. Um, and we have a we have like a demo version of that song closer to like a fifth of ten minute mark that we're probably gonna re-record one day as uh, you know maybe like an added bonus or something like that nice um, yeah it's kind of cool but we just we just didn't we, the thing was is we had a couple of songs that were kind of long um, and we didn't want to do another long song because both on Vanquish and Vengeance and on Birds of Elysium we had like Birds of Elysium has like a 16 minute song and there I mean Vanquish and Vengeance had um you know, like, I don't know, like, 11 minute song. So we, we, I didn't want to do another album with another super long song on it just because I thought it was too predictable, you know, to, to I don't want to be like, okay, that's the long song for the album because we don't write a song necessarily to be short or long for the most part. We just write the song until it's over with. Sure. But what was kind of cool with this song is we were able to shorten it out, shorten it down and still make it work as, as a good song. But, we thought it'd be kind of cool to still, you know, keep the old demo track of long version of it, just 
kind of for um, you know diehard incantation fans would probably enjoy hearing the extended version of it, but for the album, you know, the shorter version just seems to be uh, more appropriate for what we're trying to accomplish on this album. Because I think the album has a good amount of slow stuff, and I, I just thought that since it had a, already enough slow stuff, to have a, a, another 10-minute slow song might just not keep the, the flow of the album as sure. well as we want. Because an album is, is more, to me, it's more about the full flow of all the songs the way they work together. And to do, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to organize the songs to fit the album properly than to just have individual uh, good songs. I mean, for, you know, say like early album, like uh, Onward Till Gata was just all the songs we had at the time when we put it on the album. But now it's like we have so many songs we could pick and choose to make sure the album flows properly. And, you know, like to this album, we had a whole bunch of extra material we didn't use just because... Um, there was no need, you know, it, it didn't fit on the album. What about the song was bad or anything? It was just, you know, certain songs just didn't fit with the overall chemistry. Sure. So, but yeah, but that one, that one's a killer. Actually, I want to fit that one in the set list now that I, uh, you know, thought about it again. I kind of, not that I always forgot about the song, but it just was, I kind of listened to it for a little while because, like I said, said after we do the album, I don't listen to the song, um, I don't listen to the album after like kind of final mix because it's just kind of like I don't know I feel retarded and just <laughs> uninterested in going home listening to my own music right. and I listen to somebody else you sure know, that makes fun. sense because when you're listening to my own songs it's kind of like there's no surprises it's just like whatever <laughs> yeah. right, right exactly alright uh, track four anyway, yeah. oh I'm sorry you go ahead yeah no I'm, I was done I was done okay uh, track four The Horns of Geffren yeah, the horns of Gethrin. That's um, yeah, another really um, another really killer song. I just think, fuck, if I can remember that one too. Ah, it's so retarded. I gotta listen to it for a second. Yeah, go for it. it. No, we're good. Um, it's, it's, it's like almost like 
the rift, if I can explain it, is almost like a hive of bees or something attacking you. Where it just—it's it, it, a slide. Also got like early nuclear death hat and stuff with their songs, where it was just like, gee, you know, it, it was like almost—I wouldn't say muddy, but it has like a aura around it. Um, some of the riffs in that song, which I just saw, you know, was another really cool, uh, you know, cool riffing, and it's cool because this is kind of really, um, you know, really shows off Chuck's uh, input in the band. He's really, you know, the really great thing about uh, I mean, Chuck is an amazing bass player and a phenomenal, phenomenal songwriter, um, like lyrically, but he also comes up with really cool riffs and really cool different ideas and sometimes brings up like counter ideas to like what I'm what I'm writing or thinking of at the moment so it's so great to have that kind of input to um, you know the album and the song because if I wrote everything myself you know things might end up being a little bit more one dimensional but the fact that everybody in the band contributes song wise to it we're able to get so many more vibes and feeling in that song but um yeah i mean that that's a, a really really um killer song i i actually think that's another song in the album that probably sounds closer to our 90s material than um you know say some of the um, newer stuff that we've done on the last couple albums and i and for me that's always great because i always appreciate um you know stuff sounding you know, having a old school sound because old, an old school sound to me is just the normal school I grew up in, you know? Fucking A, yes. Same here. Um, yeah. Track five, In Corporal Despair. Okay. Yeah, that one is was like... The, the whole concept with that one was kind of like fuck everybody kind of vibe to it. Right. It was just like you really wanted something that was just simple crushing and like say atmospheric and a lot of feeling without sounding wimpy or cheesy you know like it was was like kind of take it was like I mean people kind of consider it kind of funeral doom type song or something Um, and and I guess maybe it, it is but I wanted this, this take like there's I guess there's so much so much like doom and atmospheric music out now that to me is just really lame and really bubblegum. Sure. And I wanted to do something just more of a vibe where you just could listen to it and just soak up the um, the feeling and the passion with still keeping it very very simple barbaric but also layered and uh, almost intricate in a certain way. But, you know, so to me it was just like a really, really cool, um, you know, really cool song to try to write because, like, even when I brought it to practice, it's like basically the song is, what, two or three notes, you know, like main notes. And without, like, the, the proper layering, if I practice, it's just like my bandmates think I'm on crack or something, you know? So I'm just saying, like, yeah, just hit this. And no, this hit, you know, go dong. We just let it sit out for a while and go dong again. 
and it comes across as like you, you have your speak of mind, but then once like we recorded it and then I was able to say, Okay, you now add the stuff to it and stuff and get it, it it all kinda of fell together in its own way. It was really a uh, for me it was a fun, creative thing to do and I just think it's um you know it's for me, you should never have enough, like, just agonizing doom uh, on an album and stuff like that. I mean, even though a lot of our albums are really fast, the doom part's always been really important. And, we, you know, we, I always look for new ways to incorporate doom into what we already do. You know, I don't always want it to be just the typical, this is the incantation sludgy doom part. I want, I want, to be interesting for me and I want it, it interesting to be for our uh, supporters out there because you know I mean some people might want us to just redo one of our old albums but for me it's you know it's about conquering new ground but still the same um, feeling and the same tools we use throughout the year so I think that's a good really good example of um, you know doing something totally different but at the same time, you know, it still distinctively sounds like incantation, and you know, I just think it's a great, um, you know, a great different thing. I mean, if you if you hate Doom stuff, you're gonna hate that song. But if you're if you like me and you know you like really um, sludgy Doom stuff, you know, you'll think it's you know probably a you know pretty good song, I guess. You know, it's a great track. And have y'all have y'all been playing that live? No, you know, we, we haven't played that one live yet. Um, I didn't really, yeah, we don't play it live yet. We've been doing a few Doom sets here and there for specialty shows. And that would be an interesting one to try to incorporate in that. I would, I wouldn't say close to it, but we just haven't, haven't begun that task lately of just trying to add that one to it. I think it would be, I, I don't know, I think that song might actually be harder to play live than what um, you know what people would expect because people think like playing the doom stuff is easier because you know less notes but to actually get that feeling properly is not as easy as you think because um, in a fast song everything passes by so fast but if, even if there's like something not 100% perfect or right you can't notice it that much but in a doom song you know, if, if you play it, it doesn't have the proper feeling, just the whole vibe is just totally fucked up. But yeah, it's, I'm not opposed to playing it live. And, um, it would be kind of fun, I think, to play it live, as a matter of fact, you know? Yeah, it's it, a it would cool definitely uh, kick people's asses, you know? It would, it would, it would bring the it would bring the set to an a, a agonizing halt for a little bit, which would be fun. Well, it's a great track. And then the next one, I'm going to try to pronounce as best I can, track six. <laughs> Zype Totec? Yeah, yeah it's, it's Zimpec Totec. Okay, Zimpec Totec. There we go. Yeah, I don't know. It's really strange because I don't know what, how the hell that song came to be Zimpec Totec. <laughs> because when, when we were recording it, the song was called Night Drinker, which is... It's not. It's funny because the name Night Drinker just sounds like somebody at night likes to drink, but actually, it, it, it's actually a little more complex than that. But then, what happened? For some reason, 
when it came to like the final version on the album, I looked at the title and it says Deep Tech Toe Tech. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we changed it. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's a song that um, was like, if I remember correctly, it was one that Kyle just came up with for the most part, um, riff wise. We added some added stuff to it, but Kyle kind of just like uh, was like driving and turned on his phone and started like humming these riffs in the phone and sent me like these recordings of these, um, you know, him going, mm-hmm, you know, <laughs> right. and. Uh, you know, all, all I did was transcribe his humming to wrist and, um, you know, the song was pretty much like, you know, since he wrote the song on drums, I will, all I had to do was play the guitar part that he hummed to me, and the song was, like, done in, like, you know, half an hour or something like that. And then just the middle part with, like, the chords... Um, over like that goes the, the, the part where it goes a little 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 and has like a thing yeah where like over that part um was like we, I was thinking of something and then Sonny came up with the chords over it because I just I needed something there and he came up with the chords over it and it just um it just brought out like a whole other dimension for that so it you know that was another song that like Kyle came up with like the fundamentals of it and then between everybody else tossing in their two cents, made it from like a pretty pretty simple um, concept song to a song that really um, you know really just kicks ass and just has a really good vibe and you know it has a lot of aggressive solo playing over it, which you really wanted. You wanted you wanted just to be kind of like one of those kick in the ass kind of songs you know, straight out, you know, kind of a quick punch in the head and then it's out of there, you know, and I think we accomplished that. That's, that's a, um, a really, um, one of my favorite songs. I just love, I just love a, a quick uh, rager, you know, like that. Oh, it's great. It's a sick song. And then uh, track seven, again, I'm going to, if I mess this up, I apologize. Luis Sepulchre? Uh, yeah, Luis Sepulchre. Luis Sepulchre, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, no, trust me, if, I, if Chuck didn't tell me how to pronounce it, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that was a song, that was another song that we actually had, um, it was kind of, yeah, actually it was a Dirge of Elysium uh, song that um, never quite 100% finished, and we decided to just put it aside um, for a little bit and um, you know we started working on it again once the song for this sound came out and it just it it changed substantially it was like one of those songs before where the riffs were the, the basic idea was there for probably about four years but it was just one day at practice the inspiration just hit me and I was just like like a, like a mad scientist I was just telling God, oh I got this idea, let's do this, this, you know, switch this around or whatever really quickly and just the song just kind of really fell together really good and, I, and ended up uh, being kind of what I wanted. Um, you know, I wanted, the one thing was I wanted it to be uh, an, another like heavy song on like secondary guitar solo parts and stuff like that. Like I wanted like the aggression of 
the soloing, and then I wanted like the um, kind of the powering through of some of the mid tempo parts. So have like the the part that goes and then 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 that really punch in your face and then kind of like a cool driving part after it. And it was, and I, and I thought it was really cool to have the soloing on like that, the punchier part to even give it like a little more kind of aggressive chaos to the whole thing. And, and I, I really think as far as like catchy songs on an album, that's definitely one of the, one of the ones that like stands out as far as like when people hear it they can really grasp it really easy and stuff which is kind of cool uh cool dynamic to have you know when you're writing an album at least for me i like to like i want to have the songs that kind of like different songs i want them to to be different i want them to, to, to express different um you know vibes and stuff like that and i think that one's a good song just kind of get that good mid-tempo death metal vibe you have something um you know say similar to um i don't know if i think of an older song like maybe uh profanation or a um um i thought catholic um with iconicism of catholicism or um you know something like a, a song like blasphemy or something like that um just just I wanted that really driving vibe throughout the song, and it really came out good. And it's, it's we find that one a lot live in the set. It just goes over really good. It's like one of those. This is a really good headbanger of a song, you know. It's great. Yeah, it's a great track. Um, and then track eight, Stormgate convulsions from the thunderous shores of infernal realms beyond the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, um, that one. Yeah, that, that one was basically. Um, I, I haven't done a um, intro type song for quite some time I, I think the last album that had an intro type song was uh, the Blasphemy album so I really wanted to do something that was an intro but I wanted to give it like a kind of a horror movie vibe to it or something like that right. um, and I think I accomplished I think I accomplished that it's it's probably the most controversial song on the album because a lot of people are just like, why even have that on there, you know? Because, you know, it's more of an intro than it is a song. But for us, it fits in with the, um, you know, the whole landscape of the album. Because like I said, we look at it as a full album. We're not looking at it just as individual songs. These days, a lot of people listen to our songs individually, like on YouTube, or listen to them. Sure. You know, uh, you know, they'll download maybe just a few songs that they, they prefer off the album. But as a band, we're looking at it as a, as a full picture, you know. And for us, that was just, uh, you know, it's something we thought fit in good with with the uh, um, vibe of the album. Because you know, I look at it like you sit there and listen to side one and side two, you know. Because back in the day when I listened to records, you know, I would sit there and my focus would be on the record. It wasn't like background music for me doing other things. Like I would sit there, look at the cover, listen to it, pay attention to it, and that was what I was doing, you know. And now a lot of people don't don't sit there and do a whole record, um, you know, and, and have the record as the event, you know. 
it's usually background music for people these days a lot. So I think people that don't listen to it in the way that, you know, we do, uh, I did at least back in, you know, my younger days especially, I, mean, I still do now, but especially back in the younger days where I've listened to every aspect of an album and focused in on it, uh, some people, you know, just hear when they just hear it like off the bat, they don't have any clue what the hell planet we're on with the song. But if you listen to it in the context of the album, I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, I was happy happy to do a uh, you know an intro type thing again because it's just been um, you know years since we did anything like that. It was kind of funny. That brings up a story where on uh, the forsaken morning of Angelic Angus, we did like that outro song on there and. I remember after we did it that um, it was a time when like noise bands were popular, like Merzbo and Mammonex and these weird other bands that just were like making albums with just weird noises on it. Yeah. And I remember Bill from uh, Relapse Records told me like he thought that intro, that outro that I did was like you know he's like these things like a masterpiece. You know, you even do a full album of like music like that. You know, and I'm like. What are you talking about? I was like, it's an outro. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you like it, but it's like, I can't, I'm not going to do a full album of intro and outros, you know? I mean, maybe there's, I mean, there's a, there was a market for it, and I, I just didn't see it. But for me, I thought it was really odd to get that much, um, that much credit from a record company from our outro, you know? I just, for me, yeah, I mean, I put a lot of work into it, but it's not like, yeah, I'd rather get credit for my actual songs than just noise and, and stuff like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so exactly. that was kind of funny. But um, anyway, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I think it's a, a cool intro to the um, to the uh, altar of the Omen of Onyx, you know? I thought, I thought it worked out good. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, of course, the next track is Messiah Nordstrom. Oh, I'm sorry, Messiah Nordstrom. That's yeah, the and It goes into, I apologize. No, I did the wrong song. But anyway, um, yeah, Messiah is, um, yeah, a killer, um, you know, it's, was the song that, was one of the songs that Relapse really, uh, liked a lot off the album that they wanted us to do, uh, um, you know, video for, I think that one, was that the regular video of 360? I can't remember. But they wanted us to do it as one of my kind of singles for the album and stuff like that. And I thought it was really good. I like, I you know, I like the fact that that one kind of, um, you know, starts and ends really heavy and just was kind of like a, uh, you know, kind of a more of a rager in between. I know um, that that song um, was kind of, was a song that I had a majority of the riffs for originally, but then uh, Sonny added in, um, a couple of riffs and it, and it just was one of those songs where you know my original version just needed like an extra pizzazz to it and once um, you know Sonny added his riff to or his riff to the song it just really um, made the song into a um, you know really um, killer you know killer track and stuff and that's one, another one we've been playing out live a lot and it always gets a really good response I mean people really like the um, the heavy intro going into the you know raging part and then ending kind of with that I would I would almost say the ending part is almost like an old mortician vibe type yeah kind of vibe you know into there which is which is always um, fun to add that old uh, you know old mortician influence to our songs you know 
it's a great track, man. I, I really that's the first track I heard off the album before I bought it, and I really like it. Um, yeah, that was the yeah, that was the one. I think the first one they released. That might have been the was it the three sixty. I can't remember. I I can't remember the order they released it, but yeah, that was the first one, and that really hit off really well. You know. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then um, track ten, Omens to the Altar of Onyx. Yeah, that one was a song too where I was trying to do um, you know another kind of slower doom oriented song in a little bit of a different style than what um, you know I've done in the past. You know, I really wanted that. Um, I wanted I wanted it like heavy as fuck, but I wanted it to kind of move on almost like a uh, you know like heavy machinery or something like that it was like right. some kind of like it was like it was heavy but it was kind of like it was still moving it, w- it wasn't like heavy as much in a sluggish way until the middle it's heavy but it's like moving forward kind of thing you know so I really think we accomplished that and it it's I mean it's definitely a really catchy song and I like it because it doesn't really, it's another song that really doesn't sound like anything we've really done in the past, but it still totally sounds like Incantation. And, um, you know, for me, I really enjoyed the um, intro part of the song with the harmonies that uh, Sonny put in the beginning of that. Uh-huh. And then I also like the, the middle part a lot where it kind of just has really simple riffs and then is like kind of a little down, down, down kind of thing in the riff. I just think it really accents the um, the heaviness of that part really good. It, I don't know to me it was it was a really um, really it's a really fun song to play live and just a really um, you know a song I, that was like one song I was really kind of stubborn at that I wanted on the album because I just thought it was a good a good song and a different kind of song to throw on the album instead of. Um, you know, I just I just felt like it it needed to be um, in the mix. So, you know, definitely, it's a it's a great way to start closing the album out too. And then, of course, the final track, uh, track eleven, "Ancients Arise." Oh yeah, that's another one that I really like a lot. We played that one live in our June set at Obscene Extreme Fest, and it was just it was so much fun because it's another one that just like it just chugs away. To me, it almost it, it almost reminds me of like an old slower Sodom type song or something like that, uh, where it just has like it has a the it has a good just a pounding vibe through it, you know. But it's still kind of like um, you know it's it's like pounding and chunky and basic, and but then at, you know it has its like moment of um, you know like I want to say complexity but just like the way the song ends and stuff like that it, it's like it goes it, it, it goes from like a really I don't know I almost consider it like a really morbid intro of like goats or like goats blowing horns or something like that going into like more of an attack mode in the middle of it uh, of the song you know just has like an attack mode where and then it like gets to a crescendo of just even more 
like punishment and then it kind of ends with something almost more like twisted which I would consider more almost like a celebration of you know like some kind of damnation or something like that you know just like to me it just really it, it it's almost like a a short story in a song you know where it has it has just a lot of different um you know feelings throughout the song but it's also you know we're just the overall vibe is just like agonizing doing like you're just totally fucked kind of thing yeah it's a it's a hell of a way to end the album too it's absolutely fantastic um oh, i appreciate that yeah and and Thank you for going through all the tracks with me. Uh, the artwork is some of the best you guys have ever done. I absolutely love this artwork. I'm looking at it right now. I absolutely love the artwork for Profane Nexus. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, Eleanor, I always pronounce the name wrong, but El- it's not Eleanor. Cantor, I know the last name. I always forget how to pronounce his first name. But he did an amazing job um, on the artwork. I mean, he worked really closely with Chuck to, you know, mash it in with the lyrics. Uh-huh. And it was, it was a, what was really great about working with Cantor was that he ended up um, being open to all our ideas. Like, he really worked hard on trying to make us happy with the artwork. You know, he didn't just, he wasn't like, okay, here it is, done, and take it. He was willing to do everything he could to try to make sure that, you know, it came out the way we wanted it. And it was really good because, you know, we were able to get all the the album influences in the artwork that we wanted, but, we, you know, Kyle and I also wanted to make sure that it was still was, like, cause some of the stuff, the ideas were just too fucking crazy that it just wouldn't, it didn't make any sense whatsoever, you know? So it really, he was really cool at trying to, like, you know, tamed some of the stuff down after you know kind of went overboard a little bit with it you know which is good that he did that but you know we, we want to have it represent the concept of the album but at the same time wanted to make sure that you know it was you know, look at it and be like fuck you know that's a fucking piece of artwork you know it looks like a badass it's not just a you know it's I, it's one of the things that you know most of our album covers I would you know we really wanted our artwork to be a piece of art that you could look at and appreciate for the art aspect of it, as well as, you know, the twistedness of what, you know, an incantation album cover should be. And that's definitely a great example of, um, you know, like concept keeping with, you know, the abstractness that we like to it. Cause we really feel that the abstract, the more the abstract art is, the more it works with us because, we're kind of an abstract kind of band, even though we're a death metal band, we play pretty traditional death metal if you come to the basics of it. We're still very abstract, it's still very, you know, complex in the way that we do things in the band, so that kind of abstract vibe just works out great. We're, we're totally pleased with it. Um, we're definitely going to work with uh, him on the next album, Art Worker. He's been doing an amazing job, especially for the last two albums. He's just been a great job. What great I, guy. Nice guy, great guy to work with. What I love about it so yeah. much, for me, of all the releases last year, it just, I mean, it was the best artwork. It's a, not only it's just a fantastic album. 
you know, the Dan Swano production and, and you guys bringing everything, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders on the songs. But that artwork is just, ah, oh, it's beautiful. I love looking at I've got the CD here with me now. I love looking at it when I'm listening to it. It's really cool. Well, that's, yeah, and that, that's part of the way that we look at it. Is we wanted to be something that, you know, represents the album. And we also want, you know, want it to look like us. We don't, we don't just want, you know, the generic death metal artwork. We never really wanted that on any of our album covers. We never wanted the generic death. We always wanted it to be distinguishable to our style. We, always, we never looked at ourselves. Even though we're traditional death metal and we're proud to be death metal, we always felt that we're, you know, we do things our way, we're ourselves. And the album cover artwork, you know, was always something important to us where, you know, we wanted the album artwork to represent the uh, sickness that was on the album. A lot of people look at it and be like, that's some fucked up art. And, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. the music is, you know, it's more fucked up, you know. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. such a great release. And yeah, I see, it's, it's kind of a bummer because I see a lot of really, there's a lot of really great albums, but a lot of times the artwork is just like cheese on a bun, you know, I think. I'm just not enough time and effort put into it to really make um, the album cover great. Cause I like it too. I want, you know, I want to see an album cover. I just want to be like, fuck. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking metal as fuck, you know? Yeah, exactly. Same, same here. And, uh, of course, you guys are going to be out doing some headline shows. You're going to be out with Exhumed, and you're also going to be out with Mayhem, right? Yeah, we just actually finished the dates with Exhumed just about a week ago. Oh, okay. And that was a total blast. We did Exhumed and um, Phobia we played with, which was, was a total blast. It was a great, uh, you know, diverse lineup because, you know, Phobia is more, uh, you know, old-school grindcore. Uh, Exhumed you know, more kind of gore crime, thrash, I don't know what they are. They're like kind of a smorgasbord, I guess, of everything. And then us, so really made for some killer shows and just like a lot of people came out from all different kind of styles of extreme music. And for me, it, it makes it really good to have, um, you know, three good, really good bands on the bill and, you know, different styles of, uh, you know, death metal or extreme music and stuff like that because I, I, I kind of sometimes shy away from bands that sound you know too similar on the bill just because for me it's just uninteresting I'd rather have uh, you know diverse lineup not totally crazy but just bands that are distinguishably distinguishably different you know yeah sure exactly good variety yeah but yeah we have um, some headlining shows we're doing um you know, we're doing that uh, pre-fest for the beer and metal fest, and we're doing yeah, a bunch of um, headlining shows kind of on the East Coast and down uh, towards Florida and stuff. Then we have, we're um, doing some dates with Mayhem. Um, I think we do, we do three shows, including the beer and metal fest in um, Philadelphia. So, you know, we're definitely keeping busy with that. We also have... Um, the Las Vegas Death Fest that we're doing in May. Excellent. Um, I don't, they don't have the dates yet, but I know we're doing also uh, about five shows in Italy coming up in May. Oh, wow. And then we're doing Maryland Death Fest at the end of May. 
and then we still have a whole bunch of other things coming up throughout the year. Just nothing's confirmed 100% yet, but it's good. for next year or so, it's going to be really busy. And then on almost all our off time, we're, gonna, we're trying to finish up the um, recording of the next album because we have all the songs written for the next album. We're just kind of trying to pick out which ones and do like some finishing touches on vocal patterns and stuff. And we want to try to get, we're going to start recording that probably next month um, in April, start recording the, the drum tracks for uh, some of the songs for the next album. Cause we're just, um, you know, really looking forward to getting some morning music out. You know, we've just been so inspired lately. We just want to just, um, you know, keep, releasing stuff while we have the inspiration you know I mean, oh that's amazing we have like we have four songwriters in the band now everyone writes music so it's like an album of 10 songs that takes like you know no, no time at all with everyone contributing two songs the album's almost done you know so, sure yeah so yeah we're, we're definitely um you know looking forward to releasing more and just once the touring cycle done for this album be able to have another album ready for whenever Relapse wants to release it, you know? It's very exciting. I know we'll all be looking forward to that. Um, John, one of the things we do on the podcast is we're big horror fans. Are you a horror fan at all? Yeah, I like horror. I'm not I'm not as insane as our, our Will. I'm definitely not as insane as Will Rowler, but um, even, even Kyle and Chuck are more, like, total... Uh, total horror freaks I like horror movies but I'm not a total insane loony like those guys are you know but I'm down but what's the deal so what what was the first horror movie that you saw that you that you loved the first one that I saw that I, I loved yeah that you were just like this is hmm. awesome it's hard to say I mean I used to when I was a I grew up as a, a kid in the 70s and I used to watch, like, I can't remember what it's called, like the something creeper show where I used to have the hand that came out of the ground and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't think of, I was like, feature creep, I can't remember, it's too long ago. But I used to, like, watch that as a kid, you know, and it used to have, like, you know, kind of like the really old horror movies, you know, like the um, Creature from the Black Lagoon and stuff like that as a kid, you know, and those kind of things I, I watched, but, like, probably for probably the time when I really kind of got into like horror movies was like in the early 80s I, I started watching more I started renting them from a local video store and I would say probably it's hard to say because there's a lot I mean there's a lot of great horror movies that I liked from that era but probably first one that like really hit me like I have to say it was probably the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre such a great movie when, when I seen the first time uh, when the girl goes in the uh, house and um, you know call it Leatherface just comes out from the back room and slams her on the head with the hammer <laughs> yeah, yeah. and she's convuls convulsing on the ground and he pulls her back and he closes the door I mean as a young kid that that was fucking disturbing as fuck you know <laughs> yeah. just the whole movie in general with like you know what was it the grandpa trying to hit her over the head with the hammer and <laughs> yeah. opening the hand and girl freaking out and, you know just just how warped that was was just, you know, 
that was just, I mean, you know, as a, as a teenager, young teenager, you're just like, holy fuck, you know? And, and I was young enough when I watched it that I didn't know if that was real or not real, you know? Like, cause they told you it was a true story. And you know it's not real, but part of you inside of you is like, man, that could be real, you know? Like, not really happening, but it could have really happened, you know? So that, that was definitely one that did it. But the other one that probably, I mean, there's probably four that really, well, that one was probably the first one, but then, like, the first Exorcist movie really, so really um, hit me, too. I mean, yeah, it was just, that was just uh, amazing. Um, and, like, first couple Almond movies were oh, just yeah. so phenomenal, too. Those, and then, like, the first Evil Dead, the, those all just like really uh, hit me I mean I, I watched other things like you know Friday the 13th and stuff and those were all good and I liked them but just something about um, you know the omens because those were like you know satanic type horror movies and like um, you know and uh, Exorcist and it was just something about that satanic edge to it um, you know really to me made it more almost I don't know if it was realistic, but just to add an extra layer of uh, fucked upness to it, you know. Completely. I mean, uh, you know, with the with the girl hanging herself outside of the house and the almond, you know, <laughs> yeah. in front of the party. It's great. You know that stuff. You know, and just just yeah, just it's that's just disturbing, you know. Um, but but yeah, if I had to pick one, it'd be Texas Chainsaw Master because I know when I've seen that. I mean, just seeing that freak hitchhiking and cutting himself in the car and then marking the car with the blood it was just oh, like yeah. <laughs> just like what the fuck is going on here you know especially as a kid but you know it like attracts you in like you're interested you, you know like this is like really disturbing but you like you want to watch it anyway you know oh yeah and, and it's like it you know it kind of yeah kind of like um you know it's just a great a great um you know great vibe and it it, you know, totally stand with the kind of music I was into and stuff like that, you know? So I just love that horror, you know, like I said, for me, if it's blasphemous and horror, it, it gives me an added bonus, you know, because I just, I've, I've always been attracted to, um, you know, dark blasphemous kind of, um, you know, horror movies that are done well, you know, not, not, not anything cheesy, you know? Sure, yeah, definitely, and that's, those are all great movies. I, you know, I was going to tell you the <clears throat> the stairs in The Exorcist are actually they, they've made it actually like a, a public thing. Like they can't tear them down. The oh, really? That's yeah, awesome. The stairs that Karis goes down. Yeah, if you guys are ever in that area, I've never done it myself, but apparently yeah. they've they've made you can go stand on their stairs. There's like a plaque, and the stairs are still there. It's amazing. Yeah, well, that's, that is that. I mean, I know it was a huge movie when it came out, but it was just, you know, it was a huge movie that deserved to be a huge movie because it was just done so well. And, you know, it took, like, you know, horror movies to, uh, again, just another level, you know? Like, it was it was evil and it was blasphemous, but it was, like, really well done. And it's not just, like, the, the crazy scenes in the movie that made it good. It was just the overall vibe of it. The way, like, the lighting of the movie, but just everything about the movie just gave 
texture and aura. And that's the same thing with like all those older movies uh, from the 70s and the 80s that really impact me was it, like now horror movies are so CGI and sometimes it takes away from that, you know, grainy film, that vibe where it just feels like, you know, you see, like they do sometimes more with the feeling of the movie or the music in the movie in those older movies where it wasn't just the gore aspect of it or just you know it was like the sounds would shock you or the yeah. way people would move in the darkness or the way the shadows were all that stuff was really really um you know really worked well in those early movies and I think sometimes people forget that um doing movies it's almost like playing death metal and playing it with the early way with the vibe and then there's new bands come out that just worry about beats per minute and being tight and they forget about the overall flavor that was mixed in with it you know I completely agree with you happen with a lot of horror movies I mean there's still good new horror movies out but there's just a lot of them they're good for a different reason you know well they're so, missing they're, like what you said they're missing the dread aspect of it it, it the vibe isn't there. I totally agree with you. I'm 100% on... Yeah. You, I couldn't have said it better myself. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of, you know, like I said, that older area. So great. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Well, uh... Um, yeah, but if you, if you talk... If you, if you get a chance to talk to Chuck or Kyle, definitely talk to them about horror stuff because they'll talk your freaking ear off about it. Those guys... They're just out of their freaking mind. I mean, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck's watched almost every horror movie he could possibly get his hands. I mean, he watches like usually three horror movies every day. He just—he's out of his freaking mind. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I definitely. Would. I'd love to have those guys on sometime. That'd be great. Uh, do a recap yeah. with you. Have you have all you guys come on, but. Hey, this is John from Incantation. You're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Nah. Oh, that's awesome, John. It's been an absolute honor having you on here, and uh, you guys are going to be on the road, and everybody can look for you out there. Profane Nexus is available now from Relapse Records, and uh, dude, it has been an absolute honor having you on today. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. I just want to thank you and also thank all the, uh, you know, true death metal heads out there for the uh, years of support. And, um, you know, we're going to keep doing this until, you know, we have nothing else to uh, say to our music. Luckily, we have a lot to say, so we'll be around for a while. Awesome. John, thank you so much, man. You take care of yourself. I'll be in touch. Okay, you take care, too. I'll see you. Thanks, brother. <laughs>